Hello and welcome to Double Oz 7, the only James Bond podcast that can find an excuse to do four episodes on Casino Royale within the period of only a few months. And we're here to reboot the show, minus one of our hosts again, as we travel back to 2006 for one of the movies that started the whole reboot craze, uh, overdone reboots, um, Hollywood agenda, whatever it is now. Reboots are overdone, but this is back when it was fresh and new, and Daniel Craig was fresh and young and bare-chested and mm. hairless and glistening in the sun <laughs> and <laughs> all the great stuff that Pierce Brosnan was getting too old to do. Uh, so we're here to do another commentary for you as we advertise in the last one, Casino Royale. Um, I am Colin, and I have a little itch down there to the right. To the right. And I am Ben, and I will have an itch when we see Daniel Craig emerging from the water very soon. <laughs> he is the new Honey Rider, people. <laughs> this was Daniel Craig, the guy who, and we discussed in one of our many Casino Royale episodes, the one that nobody wanted to be James Bond, except for me and my brother, I think. Still don't. actually seen him in a... <laughs> Some people still don't, but... They can still find some enjoyment out of this movie because we ranked it really high on our overall rankings. Do you know where this ranked is our average? It was in the rankings, Colin, which was good. Um, and that ranking that you are discussing that came quite high, of course, um, in the top... Our pre-production meetings are really lacking lately, we apologize. In the top ten, I believe, and the precise number that you want to know is that it came in at number three on the overall Number three. Rankings. Did I stretch that out enough? Sort of. <laughs> it was stretched out about as long as the wait in between Die Another Day and Casino Royale, which, strangely enough, even though it's probably the same wait we had in between um, Quantum of Solace and Skyfall, it felt like an eternity back when this movie came out. Like it felt like James Bond had been gone forever. And uh, uh, I, I know we talked a little bit about it uh, in our original episode, but um, the time this came out, I, I, at least for me, I had been without James Bond for a long time, and I had become completely obsessed with James Bond by the time Pierce came to an end. And it, it just it felt like this movie would never come. But Surprisingly enough, I guess I will mention some of my original reactions as we go through this movie, because the movie wasn't really what a lot of people expected. I think for people who were tired of the classic Bond, it was for the better. And for a lot of Bond fans at the time, including myself, I wasn't as thrilled by it as I am now, having seen it several times. Yeah, I, I, I know I talked a lot about this uh, during the recaps and Daniel Craig's and reactions and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I guess I'll go through my reactions as well, because... You know, there are several things missing from this film that you're just used to in a James Bond film. And, you know, as we sort of discussed in those episodes, I mean, this is obviously a great film. I do like this film, but I still have many issues with this film because, again, it kind oh. of still doesn't necessarily fit in a whole lot with uh, Bond in the universe and blah, blah, blah. Reboot. Yes, we get it. Daniel Craig, sexy, blah, blah, blah. Oh, they're in love, blah, blah, blah. Um, we. <laughs> You'll no doubt get to that throughout the, the the commentary. Yeah, so again, Ben's going to go against everybody else in the world here and argue uh, <laughs> that this isn't a realistic love story <laughs> and that Daniel Craig is no good and everything, but we might as well get close to jumping into this here. Um, if you haven't listened to our last two random commentaries, Dr. No and The World Is Not Enough, 
what we're going to do here is we're going to queue up the movie. If anybody listening right now wants to get it ready, all we're doing, because various DVDs, Blu-rays or whatever, they're going to have FBI warnings. Every country is going to have their different disclaimers that come on beforehand. We're just assuming that the black and white now MGM logo with the lion is going to be on all of these. And if you're watching this from the future and they somehow ditch that, then um, just wait until we mention something about bare chests and you'll know which scene to go to. <laughs> so just get it queued up. As soon as the lion comes on screen, you know, within like a second of that, we have it paused and we have it ready. I'm assuming you have it at the same spot, Ben. Absolutely, Colin. I would always have it at that spot ready to go like you requested. All right. And we did for Dr. No, 321 No. We did for World's Not Enough, 321 Jones. Do we have something for this to count down to? 321 to the left. <laughs> okay, let's go with that. Uh, on 321 to the left. And then Lion is roaring. It's another good line. That line's the most famous line since. Simba. A lion really has been around forever. He's gone really gray in this movie by the time I got to this. I know, right? As did the Colombian lady here. She's started to age poorly. Now, it's it's this is the first one, isn't it? The first Columbia, Sony. Mm. The the first, uh, the collaboration. I'm expecting to see that woman as a cameo in one of these future Bond films. Where's the barrel? Where's the barrel? Now, was it very obvious to you at the time there was no gun barrel yes <laughs> it still it is wasn't to me and i had seen all the bond movies countless times by the time this came out and i i still remember sitting in the theater and it maybe it was because of the whole black and white thing or maybe the columbia logo threw me off a little but it wasn't like it was immediately oh no there's no gun barrel and when it does come up kind of in the credits that's the moment where I'm like, oh, I guess we didn't see it. I just remember sitting there, like, watching this going like, oh, is this like a little prelude before the barrel? Like, I was just waiting for it still, because it was just so obvious. I was like, what? And it's in black and white, too, which, oh, I don't said, know. I thought I just downloaded you, a dodgy copy. Uh, <laughs> what, you did what? I thought it was a dodgy copy I was watching. Thanks for actually just, yeah, it is in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> Now, does this guy have a Game Boy in his drawer? Is that what I just saw there? <laughs> yes, he's still stuck in, like, 1999. <laughs> it's Game Boy Pocket. Well, that's why these are in black and white flashbacks. We should say, I mean, the idea of this being in black and white, nowadays people probably look at this and say, what kind of, like, artsy crap are they trying to do here? But the idea of a reboot is so well-known now. Reboots didn't exist. The only movie that did anything like this was Batman Begins one year earlier. Mm-hmm. And I remember I mentioned this in the other episode. At the time Batman Begins came out, I remember people being critical of it afterwards, saying they teased the Joker at the end, but the Joker died in the original. Like They simply didn't understand. It's not a remake. It's not a sequel. It's a reboot or whatever. And yet the name of the movie is called Batman Begins, and somehow they didn't understand it. (laughs) (laughs) But with this one, I think the word reboot was thrown around when this came out, but it was still a weird idea. So... I don't know, doing this whole black and white thing was probably a way to make it clear to the audience these stories are about Bond's beginning. Whereas now, you wouldn't need to explain that. All you'd have to do is publicize the movie as the new Bond reboot. I mean, I went into this knowing it was a reboot, and I, obviously I knew enough about James Bond to know that Casino Royale was the first one and the first book, and that this is 
obviously meant to be from the beginning. So I guess, I mean, I went into this knowing it was going to be different and, quote, from the beginning and a reboot. And so, you know, I didn't necessarily expect, you know, complete how it used to be. But, I mean, little things like the gun barrel. I mean, you know, that's just a, a staple that you that you should have no matter what. I mean, that's just something I was still like, no. Well, I, I, I've mentioned in other episodes I'm not as tied to how sacred the gun barrel is exactly as the classic way as you guys were. I didn't mind it being on the end of the movies. I didn't mind. I love this, what they do here. Mm. Like, and even though we're not getting a gun barrel, the fact that he spins around here at the end of this sequence and it segues into the credits, I mean, it's a cool twist. So they did a variation of the gun barrel there. And I think that's interesting still. But I mean, we talked about these opening credits and eventually we're going to do a rankings of all the, the title sequences. But this is so high up there after four back-to-back movies of some cheesy 90s CGI. They're actually going very uh, low-tech on these. I mean, it's fancy animation, but it's just traditional animation, you know, silhouettes and everything. This is a classic Bond title, I think. I love this. I, I think I might have mentioned in the song one, and then I think I've mentioned before, and I, I'd, I'd say this might be the best titles in the history of Bond. I just think it's just unique, it's clever, it's, it's amazing, and... It just fits beautifully with the song. It fits beautifully with the movie, you know, and it's just, I love it. I can never get sick of this title and the song just grows on me every single time. I think I ranked it second from memory um, in our episode. I was criticized for ranking it ninth. Yeah, I, well, I, I'm, I think it was second. I'll confirm that. I'm very sure. I don't even remember where I rank it myself, but... I, I think you might have mentioned this was one of the ones that you didn't listen to before you saw the movie. You might refresh my No, you did. I, yeah, I did. And it's another one that did grow on me because the original version I heard of this, it was one that was released just to radio. And I remember when it was like, oh, it would be three weeks before the movie came out and here's the new Bond song and I'm hearing on the radio. But it didn't have the horns or anything. It just sounded like a straight Chris Cornell song. So when I saw it in the movie, it was more impressive be- hearing it with the horns and seeing it over the credits and everything. So it still took years after that before it really grew on me. I don't think I would have ranked it even ninth place two, three years ago. Yeah, I, I did put it second. Now I put it third, and overall it came in at third. Um, yeah, I heard it before. Uh, actually, no, hang on, no, hang on, scrap that. I didn't hear it before because I remember going home and downloading it legally, of course, and listening to it just nonstop. I like, I got obsessed with it, and um, still am. I, I absolutely love it. This is one of the ones that I can just listen to outside of not listening to all the Bond songs in a row. And I mean, I'm honestly not that familiar with Chris Cornell before, and I think I had one of his albums since because I'm like, oh, that's that guy from the Bond. Like, I'm going to listen to his music, and which I never had. But it's yeah, it's just something about it that I just still absolutely love. I think the music just is so Bondian. The start where it's like, and it's like it's one of the, I do love the yeah, the opening. Yeah, it's it's very it's one of the very few things about Casino Royale that I think screams classic Bond. The you mentioned like Chris Cornell's album, but like you were, you weren't familiar with Soundgarden or Audio Slave at this point. Not really, uh, Colin. Remember, I listened to Madonna and um, those yeah. sort of, but, you know. So I, 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 we have to mention right here the, the screenplay. I have to interrupt right here. We somehow went through three hours of talking about this movie, and I meant to bring it up several times. We went through three hours of talking about this movie and never mentioned the Canadian screenwriter Paul Haggis, oh. one of Canada's famous filmmakers. What an iconic Canadian. 
Well, he is. He created one of the most famous Canadian shows of all time called Due South. He went on after that to win an Oscar for writing Million Dollar Baby. He directed Crash, which won Best Picture in like the movie. year before this came out. Did you not like Crash? No, I love Crash. I'm one of the people who defend it when everyone complains that it's nice. one of the worst. I, all those lists where they're like, the worst Best Picture winners in the history of the Oscars. Crash is always number one. I'm like, dude, Crash is a fucking awesome movie. Yeah, I love Crash. I mean, it's it's interesting because... Casino Royale, he he was brought in to polish the Purvis and uh, um, Wade script. And at the time he had done this, I mean, Million Dollar Baby, he'd won an Oscar for writing that. And he'd done a couple other of Clint Eastwood's movies. But Crash kind of came out after Casino Royale had already been filmed. So they got lucky. I remember when this came out, at least here in Canada, it was ma- they made a really big deal about the fact that Paul Haggis was involved in making the movie. I mean, probably because he is so iconic here in canada but it was a big deal at the time i mean that like you wouldn't get a big filmmaker an oscar winner to do a bond movie at this point and this was sort of the beginning they didn't sign him when he was an oscar winner really or maybe he had just one million dollar baby but now that's all you get for writers directors it's always the oscar winners that sign on to do bond now and also let's not forget that there was a Canadian that wasn't involved in like ice hockey that was doing something in the world. Uh, so <laughs> that's why they turned around and they're like, oh, this is a big deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This stuff here, I, again, I was a huge fan of the book and I wasn't expecting this to be a Pierce Brosnan movie. I knew everything they had said about it and I knew that they were ditching like Money Penny wasn't going to be in it and... Q wasn't going to be in it, but I mean, the trailers looked gritty, but they looked like it would have been something along the lines of the living daylights or for your eyes only from Russia with love. But there were a lot of bond things that were ditched about this. I think more than anything though, the thing that was distracting for me was that I was such a huge fan of the novel and this early part of the movie has nothing to do with the novel. But then when they do get into the novel stuff, it's like almost page for page from what happens in the book, which I know you're not going to speak Well, I was about to say, you, you know I can't read, so... Um, <laughs> this I... is why we need no one here. This was our excuse to talk more about the book. I did listen to the book episode. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you, listen to, you listen to podcasts on books. That's how you get your, your literary uh, expertise. And I watch movies based on books. <laughs> <laughs> like Casino Royale. You know I was a kid in high school who was like, everyone has to read this book. And I was the one who just went and got the movie out and watched the movie. (laughs) (gasps) This will be completely off topic, but is there a required reading when you're in school, like a book that every class has to do every year? As in just in like Australia? Um, Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I generally block school out. Um, (laughs) I'm sure there was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we had like of mice and men i remember that one no i don't think we ever touched that one <laughs> i'll come back to that one colin just stop touching your ear this is yeah this is james bond's ear for you. yeah <laughs> it is very cool though the whole just like standing there stop touching my ear what <laughs> what's his name again what's what? the agent oh i don't even remember Carter, there we go. I, uh, I, I think that um, it, it was distracting the opening sequence. 
but the titles definitely had a Bond feel to it. And I think they intentionally put this sequence right on the start of the movie because this is a traditional Bond scene. It has like tons of great stunts. It has some humor in it. Uh, it's featuring something you haven't really seen in a movie before. I mean, free running, parkour. This was the first time anybody had ever filmed it, at least in a fictional movie. Now everybody does it, but... It's brilliant. Uh, it stands this is sort of, out. But like, wasn't this was this the one where they really started saying, like, "Oh, it's so much like Born," or was that Quantum of Solace? I think it was Quantum of Solace, which was more like a lot of handheld cameras that did it. I mean, there were there were Born comparisons at this point, which I still maintain. Other than the hand to hand combat stuff, which Bond doesn't do a lot of, you can't really compare. At the time it came out, the fact that it was a gritty action movie that's probably the closest comparison you can make but now 10 years later i mean it's interesting it's been 10 years now it doesn't feel anything like born at all not only because the born movies suck now <laughs> bond is amazing <laughs> well, i will admit i've actually only ever seen the first born movie i haven't seen anyone since that one so uh, just stop before you get to the most recent one and you'll be fine is there a book i can read this <laughs> yes there was a born trilogy of books <laughs> Um, the guy he's chasing, I don't know if we brought up, I think we brought up in the episode, but if somebody didn't listen to that, he is one of the two founders of parkour. These two friends who just sort of invented this as their own sport for fun. And they decided to put him in the movie. Who just the happens to be a criminal. That, that worked out well for the movie makers. They were like, yeah. oh, well, you happen to want to be like bad. So, <laughs> well, the other guy who invented it with them did a movie called District B-13, which is uh, a French action movie that they remade in America. <laughs> so, so the two guys that invented parkour, like they've invented this, you know, amazing, you know, sport or whatever you want to refer to it as. One lands the dream role of a James Bond film. The other's in a French movie. <laughs> Although, well, I will say District B-13, it's, it's, it has a cult following. They remade it with Paul Walker, I think with Paul Walker's last movie called Brick Mansions. But... I guess the one consolation is that he got a major role, a starring role in the, the District French B movie. thirteen. Of course, where he'd get a major role. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's like cameo in the beginning. This uh, this sequence here was filmed, or at least parts of this, in the Bahamas. Um, this construction site here, the ocean, and then the embassy. And when we went to the Bahamas on our honeymoon, that was one of the few locations from the Bond movies I couldn't find. And it was partly just because there was no decent Wi-Fi anywhere, so I could never <laughs> look up on the internet where to go. But You're I wanted to find bribing people to let you into places to actually get your That's Wi-Fi right. working. That's right. Yeah, they just shut me down because of like this guy's not playing fair. He's dirty. He's trying to bribe everybody. <laughs> but yeah, this construction. I was interested to see what because this was a real construction site. They were building a building in 2006, and we went six years later. Well, the building was finished. Cool to see what <laughs> exactly it takes them six years to finish buildings there i do love that was, bit there where just, he throws the gun at bond sorry i just i've always loved that bit <laughs> when bond throws it back at his face <laughs> i just it's still i mean a, a huge part of daniel craig obviously was the fact that he was blonde and you know you can't have a blonde bond but like it's mm. like this scene really the blondness stands out like the sun glistening in his blonde hair yeah. like I remember seeing this like i mean this is an epic scene nobody dislikes this scene this is awesome this is mm-hmm. very you know, Bondian in a way, even though they've never done this before in a Bond film, but whatever. But um, it's Bondian, the fact that it's epic. That's what I guess I'm trying to say. But, like, I'd still piss me off when watching this guy. He's blonde. 
<laughs> like it just, I don't know. I swear his hair gets darker over his four films, but like I, this one. The, the thing is, I don't understand the whole blonde hate because nobody's that tied to other features like eye color. I mean, nobody's ever been like, well, Sean Connery had brown eyes and Roger Moore had blue eyes, so one of them's wrong. I mean, <laughs> it just it doesn't make sense that it's, people are so tied to the man's hair color. I guess hair's a bit more distinguishable than eyes like i get what you're saying but i i mean you know i don't necessarily pay attention to eye color that much but um i mean it's just it's interesting the whole color of the hair debate and how big of a deal it was and we're at the process right now of potentially having a new bond and there's debate of whether or not we might have a you know a black bond or a female bond and it's kind of it's interesting how the debate is interesting in that way because it's like oh i don't want to i'm not going to be negative against sex i don't want to be racist or sexist but when it comes to hair color it's like oh fucking blonde no no way that's right <laughs> blondes aren't allowed to be blonde yes. except for roger moore who was blonde people remember but he dyed his hair <laughs> oh i think he just aged <laughs> gray, for the not gray. blonde <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love the fact that you said that this was a real construction site. So, did they actually literally destroy this construction site? So the building, this is why Probably. it maybe took six years to build, because they kind of destroyed yeah, right. the construction site during filming. That's why they haven't been back to the Bahamas to film afterwards, because they also blew up a real embassy there, too. <laughs> yes. I can't remember what the embassy was. Uh, and it, what the sad thing is, it wasn't far for us to go. When I, before we went out there, I, well the night when I decided I wanted to go on my honeymoon to the Bahamas and just not tell my future wife that the reason I wanted to go, (laughs) basically scouted all the locations. I remember looking at where I wanted to stay a hotel. It's three in the morning. I picked a hotel and I'm like, okay, this bond location's within a half hour walking distance. This one's within a five minute drive. And I found this one. It was so close and I just never found it afterwards. Well, I will date this podcast and maybe we'll edit this out if we end up delaying the release of this one, but whatever. We'll just put a bit of funny music over this but uh i'm in the process of uh <laughs> <laughs> oh you're gonna do a post-production sorry <laughs> well you can keep singing if you want to it adds a bit of theme to it um i'm in the process of uh heading back to america and i'm planning on going to mexico city for a for a formula one grand prix and basically the day that i'm either planning on leaving or staying for an extra day is october the 31st which i believe is the day of the day of the dead festival so i could totally be in the streets of mexico city uh what Watching a helicopter fly over me and like often you know going to be crashing into the crowd so um there's another location i could possibly add i just hope that we see an epic helicopter crash fight thing wasn't a crash but you know what i mean i just want you to wear one of those skeleton oh absolutely and i'm gonna pick up a random girl take her to a hotel and go back in a sec and then just walk (laughs) along the roof and (laughs) by the time you come back she will have fled She's probably still in the room. I could probably go in there and be like, hi, I'm Bond. I just put on a bit of weight over the last 12 months. Uh, (laughs) She's still waiting. I'm Australian now. Uh, (laughs) I I don't know if you ever watched the Mythbusters TV show. Ah, bits bits and bobs. They they did an episode where they tested the myth of if you could shoot the gas tank and have it explode like this, and it was, like, completely busted, but... It was still a fun episode. It was one of the few times they did James Bond. I think they did an entire James Bond episode once, but it was like the first time they did a Bond. I do love this scene. 
He's just like, literally starts an international incident by breaking into an embassy of a, well, a fictional country, but still. Well, <laughs> I'm sure Nambusu well, I, well, Madagascar is a fictional country? No, the, the embassy oh, is Nambusu. The embassy. That's, that's not a real country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Madagascar is not real. It's, it's a, a movie. It's, it's not a real... Cartoon animals go there to dance. No, I think we talked about this in the um the episode, but I remember having to like pause this going, Oh shit, I've got to rewind and count how many people he just killed. And yeah. I'm like, oh wait, no, never mind. <laughs> just wait five seconds when they all get up and dust themselves off. Yeah. Now if that was real life, just let's let's comprehend this. If a real British agent broke into an embassy like that in a country and did that, do we not think there would be a declaration of war? <laughs> Especially since they made the news. Yeah, I mean, and all it did... I look at the technology back in 2006. Um, like, There's no typo on that, though. At least ellipsis is spelled correctly. Exactly. Do you remember when phones were like that? That was the cool phone to have probably in 2006. Everyone was like, oh, Bond. Yeah, I remember my first cell phone looked something like that. Now, we're all thinking that this chick's going to bone Bond at one point, but... <laughs> Instead, she's going after the guy who tears up Every time, uh, he's dealt a bad hand. The very realistic backdrop there as she enters the boat. Even the woman's checking her out. <laughs> it's very ahead of the times, Casino Royale, with their first lesbian yeah. um, person. <laughs> <laughs> you were thinking, is she a henchwoman? <laughs> She's an extra. <laughs> First ever lesbian extra in a James Bond movie. That's on a that's on a resume. <laughs> this um This is something I, I liked immediately about Lashif. And Lashif well, like most things with this movie, it took me I, I keep saying it took me a while for it to grow on me. Basically the second time I watched this movie I was in love with it. But the first time it was not what I expected. I, I thought it was good, but not what I expected. But Lashif was the one character I loved immediately because yeah. He was he's a traditional Bond villain that he's got this weird deformity about him. Uh, he's brilliant. He has a quirk like he's just this genius with numbers, but he's not like this all-powerful Renard or Gustav Graves where nothing can hurt him. He's got asthma. <laughs> he, he, he has blood tears. I mean, the guy's basically like a walking charity case, but he's this mastermind who can control the world if he wants. Now you're missing the can't sleep graves, aren't you? Not this evil asthma guy with blood tears. Well, this is what happens when you go another four years without sleeping as a goose off graves <laughs> would start crying his own tears or his own blood. Now, I did remember it kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say threw me off, but it was like reboot, 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 yet somehow Judy Dench is still in. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, I'm glad, because it's it Judy Dench. It people. That's why the the reboot thing was hard to sell for people between Batman Begins and this. Yeah. I mean, that would have been like uh, that old guy in Batman and Robin still being Alfred instead of Michael Caine. Yeah. Although they did have the same Alfred in between the Michael Keaton and That's true. Val Kilmer and George Clooney ones. But were they not all in the... Oh, wait, here, where's the typo? Is, the, is this the scene with the typos? Yeah, we should mention there is a typo here, apparently, at some point. I think it's, no, it's to do with the file that um, Lashif has got. Hang on. I do like that line a few seconds ago with the whole, Christ, I missed the Cold War. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's, again, like we had Goldeneye, they reference the Cold War. This referencing the Cold War is cool, too. 
Oh, no, you're right. When Bond is examining the MI6 file on Le Chief, the file contains some errors in the section that details his areas of operation. Bosnia is misspelled Bosni, and the word investigator is spelled investigator. So I'm guessing that's later on when he's looking... Because he, he doesn't know who Le Chief is at the moment, That's when he, he breaks into... Um, that's when he breaks into M's apartment, or... Is yeah, that, that's after they've slept with each other. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they're drunken night here. I do love how they have to have their own backdrop to say that they've got the Ministry of Intelligence or whatever. Like, can't they? Can't he just have like a backdrop of like you know Britney Spears or like some celebrity or something yeah. like? That? <laughs> I think Bond's a Britney kind of guy. <laughs> I do love how he just can break into a house. Like she's the head of British intelligence, the entire country, and he can just break into a house. Well, that's why when you when you guys were talking about how Daniel Craig was humorless until Spectre, I, I just see it as a different type of humor. I think that Timothy Dalton is kind of humorless, but Bond, he's cocky humorous. Like, he has these one-liners, like, I didn't realize that M was a real name, and then she cuts him off. There's comedy here, it's just that he plays it in, like, a cocky, arrogant way instead of, like, a Roger Moore... But I, you know, rip shot. Way. I get that. I just guess my issue is that there's no charisma. He's not charismatic. He's just oh, there's tons of charisma. Uh, I don't. I don't think he just comes like yeah, he's cocking that. But he just he comes across as one of these people who is like, I'm sexy and hot. I'm going to bet every chick, and I'm just like I know that's Bond's character, but well, Bond does it with a charismatic way that you still kind of are like oh Bond, I'll still go have a beer with him. Like this Bond, sometimes you just like he's the douchey jock at high school that you just want to punch in the head. <laughs> But let's not forget that as much as people were opposed to a blonde Bond, the other petition people had was that Daniel Craig wasn't thought to be handsome or sexy enough to be Bond. And then as soon as the movie came out, it was like this complete 180 where suddenly he's like the hottest Bond in history. But women weren't excited about him going into this. Like, they had to sell the audience on Daniel Craig as Bond. Well, I do believe that the rate of uh, men coming out as gay in 2006 increased after seeing (laughs) Casino Royale. So... Uh, <laughs> it clearly worked. It did way more for the gay community than Madonna singing the <laughs> yeah. theme to Die Another Day. 2002, all, you know, <laughs> all the gay men were very happy to watch James Bond, but in 2006, all the men that weren't gay became gay. And um, That's right. I stayed straight because of Judy Dench. <laughs> I, I have to say, she, she shows more cleavage in this movie than she does in the other Bonds, so more power to her. Well, she is Woman about to become a Bond girl in two films, so she needs... That's right. This is the 2006 Judy Dench. She's showing the goods. <laughs> I wish I had an elevator to my house. Oh, you don't? They don't have those there? <laughs> Not in Australia. Everybody has them in Canada. We don't have elevators ah, in Australia. here's where it starts. The inaccuracies of geography in the Bahamas. Now you've been. Now is that Nassau there? Like, can you actually <laughs> see? Yeah. Well, my there is a shot here where my hotel is in the the hotel that my wife and I stayed at is in the background. Uh, right there in the background, they're the tallest one in the background. Um, oh, so no, no, not that one. The other cutter. one, the one right behind the boats. There. This right here is funny because they're driving on the. He's driving on the mainland after landing basically on Paradise Island. If this really were right by the Ocean Club right now, he'd be driving on the beach because that's all there is. His GPS is essentially showing the beach right now and he's driving on it. Well, can I just point out, this is the first of the many um, examples of Daniel Craig as Bond drives dad cars. And (laughs) clearly that picks up the ladies. (laughs) 
Now, here's the biggest inaccuracy. The Canadian flag. He can't get in there if he's not a member. <laughs> I mean, I offered $50 to probably that guy parking the car right there, and he would let me in. You gotta, you gotta get. This was the spot I, this was the spot I wanted to go to. Um, I even told the guy, I'm like, I just want to go stand between the flags and tie my shoe, and then I'll be on my way. <laughs> you just wanted to see the Canadian flag. Oh, there's Canadian flags everywhere there. I don't know why that is. Because they just were so happy that you arrived in the Bahamas. <laughs> it was a welcoming party for me and my wife. <laughs> I mean, this props to this. This is Bondian. Yeah. He just wants to get into another dad car, the Range Rover. <laughs> Seriously, it's an ongoing thing with Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig drives dad cars. I can't wait for the next one where he's driving a Geo. That'll be fantastic. <laughs> I still like, again, I think we talked about this in the actual recap. Like, if he hadn't have that happen, how is he going to cause a distraction? I mean, I guess that's why he's tying his shoe, because he's thinking about it. But like, <laughs> Well, he just figured... Daniel Craig bending over in the parking lot's enough of a distraction. <laughs> he's wearing, like, he's about to go play golf. Oh, he's dressed as a valet. That was part of his, it was all planned. The great security. I mean, I don't know how you didn't get into this place, Colin, because, I mean, look at the security there. They're just a brilliant. They run past the two security guards in the entire building. <laughs> now he just walks into a Sony showroom <laughs> right now. The product placement. Was this... Which which Bond movie was it that we discovered basically paid for half its budget in product placement alone? Was that Die Another Day? It is this. Oh, it is this. Oh, well, Die Another Day probably did. But this, I mean, as far as Sony product placement goes, this one's definitely tops. I wonder who makes this movie. I just, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell. I mean, there's no references to any technological companies in this movie at all. Sony, 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 Sony. <laughs> Look, they have their own label makers and everything. Oh, they're so advanced in the Bahamas. Sony. <laughs> now, I I don't know of any two cell phones that even seem to have the exact same timestamp. I've never seen two clocks in my life that are exactly synchronized, but somehow this cell phone and the CCTV footage are completely synced for their times. It's absolutely incredible. Again, Sony as very in sync with their technology. Ah, it's a Sony phone. It's a Sony, yep. <laughs> we love Sony here in 007. Please sponsor us. <laughs> Sony presents 007. I just, it, it is also very convenient that he gets the Blu-ray and, he, you know, it's pretty close to where he's got to fast-forward it. <laughs> yeah. They knew exactly who was going to be coming in and going through all their stuff. Exactly. I think there should be a plot twist in a Bond movie where, like, in some girl that he talks to isn't attracted to James Bond. Like, that would be a plot twist. I don't know. Is M attracted to James Bond? Well, absolutely. <laughs> Again, who isn't attracted to James Bond in the <laughs> Daniel Craig era? Seriously, again, how did you not get into this place? All he has to do is go, oh, I nicked a car. Who's that person? <laughs> like... Well, I'm not Daniel Craig. I'm sorry. <laughs> This, too, uh, he has a house just up the beach. The entire beach on Paradise Island is just hotels, so I don't know where his house is. Oh, here we go. There's a cheesy shot. Yeah, we're not waiting for that. Doesn't matter what's bouncing on our screen right now. 
Little shit kid, stop running after the woman on the horse. <laughs> and I know right now he's no longer by the ocean club because they wouldn't let me sit on their beach. Oh. You can be in the water, but you can't be on the beach here. Now, did you do that, Colin? Did you home. walk out of the water like that to get Jamie excited for your honeymoon? <laughs> Little boy. <blue laughs> I shorts. wanted to. <laughs> I did um, uh, because I couldn't find the exact spot where this was probably because there's no houses there. <laughs> I did find the spot where Sean Connery walks out of the water and Thunderball, and I got a picture there. There was still some hair on I didn't the ground. Quite... Yeah. <laughs> his footprints were still so in look, the Look, even sand. he's checking him out. Like... <laughs> <laughs> now, it's, that's more of a die another day throwback with the, the music in the background. They need to have somebody in the background going, underneath the mango tree. <laughs> Why isn't there Calypso music in all that? Hey, here's a gadget. This movie had gadgets, though. What, a phone? Oh, so is this where the typos are going to be? You're so, you're so excited for the typos. I know. By the way, I am watching this, and I do see some chest hairs in high definition. <laughs> so he's not completely bare-chested. Doesn't matter. No, it's whenever he's over. Oh, that's not how you spell Marvel. Absolutely, it's wrong. That's not how you spell 236. <laughs> Where's this country that was misspelled? Bosnia. There you go. Bosnia. I saw it. Rewind. I'm... <laughs> and the other one was Investigator. A... The closest I got to the Ocean Club was that fountain in the background. I was in a park that was probably about 200 feet away, and I was able to get it in the background. Did you, did you, ta- you did take a photo? I did. I didn't realize what it was till afterwards. I was going through all our pictures. I'm like, wait, that looks familiar. And then I pulled up Casino Royale on my tablet and found the Closest I got to the Ocean Club was Miami. Miami? (laughs) Miami. (laughs) (laughs) I do love, you know, how... I mean, look, I've honestly never gone to a casino or some sort of place and played table games, but... People just walk up and just join in like that. Mind if I join you? <laughs> like, what if they said, yes, this is a private game. Fuck <laughs> off. I just like, they were all saying yes. And there was the one old fat guy there who was very delayed with his reaction. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if he was just like, no, thank you. Ooh, cold. Which one was it? You or Noah who hated Solange? Me. <laughs> 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 I, I'm sorry, I don't see it I, I'd rather that woman in the green dress there at the table Thank you uh, <laughs> The card dealer? <laughs> oh, well her too <laughs> I just don't see it Oh, but here's where she gets really testy about the table rules too. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a very important job She's gone to college and learnt a lot To do that just staring at him. Oh. What is this? Are they playing poker? What are they actually playing right now? I think it is poker. I don't. I don't think they would change the games. Modern audiences don't have the attention span to understand more than one game in a movie. I don't actually know how to play poker. <laughs> I've I've seen a couple of movies on it. Um, <laughs> Casino Royale, for one. Oh, really? I've heard about that. It's a good movie, is it? Yeah. Better book, but they didn't play poker in the book. What's a book? 
<laughs> Show me, gentlemen. She's a bit kinky, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> Trip aces. Look at you knowing the the word, the the script. Dialogue? <laughs> the dialogue. I know, I've got subtitles on, too. That kind of helps. Cheetah. Are we still in sync here, though? Uh, yes, I'm Justin Timberlake. You're Lance Bass. Um... <laughs> this is our sync check for everybody at home. Solange just stood up. Yeah, you're a few seconds ahead of me because she's just standing up now, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of us is watching this legally. <laughs> Shut up. Like like all our listeners. I tried to watch it legally, but it wouldn't legally copy to my computer, so. <laughs> if, we get re- <laughs> if we get really out of sync, I'll pause it along with all the listeners. <laughs> yes, everyone at home, pause it. We've done all right so far. We're we're 35 minutes in and we haven't mentioned the nanny yet, so that's good. (gasps) Oh, thank goodness. You think Solange resembles Fran Drescher in any way? (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I wasn't the only one thinking that a few seconds ago. (laughs) (laughs) When he said the nanny for a brief second, I'm like, it could probably be cousins. I'd rather Fran Drescher than Solange, let's be honest. Oh. (laughs) Oh, look at a just dirty little whore bag. <laughs> You've got a boyfriend! Okay, it is James Bond. This is, I love, again, this is where the humour is in the movie. Yeah, I do it's like this humour. This is funny. I will give them this. <laughs> I love the, the valet guy's just like, plays it cool. He was standing there the whole time just watching him do a loop, and he's like, your door, sir. <laughs> he's his wingman. He's helping him get laid. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's a nice boat. That's a nice boat there. <laughs> They're on a boat. Does it? I always thought this guy was really creepy. Does it still, like, I think we went over this when we did this episode, but knowing everything that we know now, Inspector, does it change anything watching this or still not really? No. No? Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I think Skyfall is the one that I was most worried about, and even Skyfall, I don't find it changes it in any way. I just, I, I find it more implausible when I get, I'm one of those viewers who believes that Everything's a lie, Inspector, maybe. <laughs> they were just taking credit for stuff that they knew was connected to Bond. Now, we established that they don't have sex here, don't we? He only gets laid once in this yeah. movie. Yeah, because he leaves. They could have done it, like, then. <laughs> Unzip, lift the like, skirt up. Like, this? Like. Kind of like Sean Connery and From Russia With Love doing it with his shirt tucked into his pants. Yep. <laughs> Standards have changed since 62, 63. Mind you, yeah, of course, he doesn't actually hit women in this movie, so... Yeah. <laughs> Man talk. <laughs> Daniel Craig's neck is very rashed right now. 
It's all the hickeys. <laughs> He's got some some bad chafing there from his call. He's a very witchy poo nose. It's very pointed. Ah, uh, I when you said that, I just got distracted. How her hair was like stuck up his nostril <laughs> for a second there. Do you sometimes when you watch scenes like this? I don't know if it's just me, but I'm thinking like. I'm thinking about them acting this scene right now. Like, they've got about 15, 20 people around them with cameras, and they're having to lay there and pretending to basically, like, do all of that. Like, she's, like, kissing down his chest, getting down lower, lower. Cart, no, do it again. (laughs) you You have to think about that sometimes, because I think everybody will hear these actors be like, oh, yeah, when you're James Bond and you're doing love scenes with these women... It's actually hard work because you're lying there for hours. You're like, yeah, sure, it's hard work. But then you think about the fact that they're just here for probably like six hours mm-hmm. and there's hot lights on them and everything and everybody's watching and it's awkward. And you've got you to imagine but, that, like, I mean, yeah, it seems like a great job. You get to, like, make out and dry hump beautiful women. But, like, you've only just met these... Per- like, I mean, you might not be suave and sophisticated like actually James Bond. You're just a good actor. You could be, like, a real shy whatever, and he could just be like, oh, I don't want to kiss her. Oh, I'm shy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Timothy Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> you leave Timothy Dalton alone. Yeah. <laughs> For one. But See, that's the kind of gentleman he is. He's about to ditch her, but he leaves her with a snack. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, now here, in six months, we could do a, a, a second version of this commentary where you could tell us about the geography errors in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> well, in all fairness, um, during my time in Miami, it involved uh, basically a three-hour drive from Orlando to which we drove straight to the beach, uh, stayed on the beach for a couple of hours, went along the main strip, got Burger King, and then drove back to Orlando, so... Uh, exactly what Bond does when he goes to Miami. <laughs> I know, I felt very much like James Bond. And I think we did mention <laughs> in one of our episodes, though, that it was funny when actually on Miami Beach, there are literally planes flying over Miami Beach with banners, but sadly none of them said, Welcome to Miami. <laughs> <gasps> and this is a real exhibition, we established this, didn't we? Yeah, well, we had it here in Winnipeg for probably about six months here. Did you go? I never saw it. I was going to say, did you, like, go and look for keys or whatever on the table? No. I was hoping to find Richard Branson somewhere across the street. (laughs) Don't we all? We always look for Richard Branson (laughs) in airports. (laughs) Because I think I'd heard about this exhibition. I think when I saw this, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's real. Because it was... I might have come to Australia. I definitely didn't come to Hobart. But, like, you know, I guess when this first started... Because, I mean, they're real bodies, aren't they? Well, I... I don't know if they're real. I think they um, are. I, I, I legitimately think they are people who have like donated themselves to science. Like I actually am not joking. I think they are real bodies. I think that's what's uh, like a big draw card to it. Oh, and this scene is amazing. I love this. This is something that would be in a Bond book. Like this is how a showdown would be in a Bond book. The next slowly goes back and forth. And I don't have to read it to see it. Yay. That's right. <laughs> Bond slowly moved the knife towards Demetrius's chest. Had to make out with him. <laughs> Grabbed him and stared longingly into his eyes. <laughs> it's a Harlequin romance novel. Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> he thrusted the knife deep inside him. He moaned. Well, Ian Fleming did have the unfinished work Fifty Shades of Blonde that we <laughs> never were able to <laughs> see the light of day. <gasps> Ellipsis. It must be connected. 
Where's the scene where Bond Googles ellipsis? Like, that would be <laughs> Spectre 2015 Bond. Why doesn't he just turn around to the woman? Somebody stole my bag! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that this isn't a smartphone, but even in 2006, I could access the internet on my phone. Why does he call MI6 to find out what's at Miami Airport that day? Mm, good point. Because, I mean, the groundbreaking Miami Airport website uh, that we will see very soon is very... (laughs) Of 2006. ...flash and modern. Did you... um, Oh, you didn't go to Miami. I was going to say, did you have to pay $50 to get into the Miami Airport? But that would have been the Bahamas Airport that you would have had to... (laughs) Does this guy actually speak? Richard Branson? Well, no, the, the guy that he's chasing. Oh, the henchman? I don't think so, no. Did you notice Richard Branson, Richard Branson in the movie when you saw it? I did, like, straight away. I don't even know. I what, did, yeah. I have no... Because I'm, like, watching... Is that Richard Branson? And then I think I got home and I yeah. Googled it. Well, like, nowadays, you you know when Richard Branson has a cameo in a movie. <laughs> and I remember Superman Returns came out a couple months before this, and I heard Richard Branson was in it, so I was watching for him. But then with this, I didn't even know he was in the movie. I just looked and I'm like, what's Richard Branson doing getting pulled over at airport security? Is Richard Branson in Superman Returns? I didn't even know that. Yeah, he's the pilot of the uh, the airplane that gets hijacked. Right. Makes me want to fly Virgin even more. <laughs> Although, actually, I do like flying Not the Virgin. first time those words have come out of Ben's mouth. <laughs> actually, no, in all seriousness, they're one of our low, low-cost low airlines here in Australia. And out of all the low-cost airlines, they're the most uh, upmarket low-cost airline, I guess you could say. So, if you can afford them, you fly them because they're the best. I think he flies them for free. <laughs> really? Oh, I thought he, he shouldn't be getting stopped at the airport if that's the case. <laughs> I do love the fact that at an airport where it's, you know, every five seconds over the speakers, do not leave your bags unattended, somebody's left their bag unattended and all they do is hand it to a shop counter. Yeah. Lots of bombs get lost in the Miami airport because of that. Yeah. <laughs> what is it with these like these people who are like evil terrorists? They always have to walk around looking over their shoulder, looking evil. Like if, <laughs> if I'm in an airport and I see a guy walking around slowly, looking over his shoulder every two seconds, I'm probably going to call security. It's like shifty eyes back and forth. Your ringtone is dun dun dun. <laughs> I'll call you back. <laughs> He's just like, rung up. Put me through to M. I'll call you back. <laughs> what if they had changed the code before exactly. he came here? What if they misspelt it? <laughs> like, I, 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 I do some work for a security company, and codes get changed all the time, just at random, especially by businesses, so I don't know how this ellipsis... They pro- that's probably like 2004 code, and they were just taking a chance. I do that website. It's the it's like an Ask Jeeves or a GeoCities website. Like it's. <laughs> well, that was 2006. <laughs> I want to see Bond's MySpace page from 2006. <laughs> Who's his number one friend? Is it M? Huh? <laughs> Tanner. Uh, that would have been a good. I remember. Yeah, we're mentioning Superman Returns, but <laughs> that was like the other movie I was super pumped about in 2006. And I remember Superman Returns, they made fake MySpace pages for, 
Lex Luthor, Clark Kent, and Lois Lane. They should have done that for James Bond. I do have to say, again, we're off topic. I don't give a shit. I think we talked about this in this episode, because I remember you and I having this conversation before. I'm a defender of Superman Returns. I think that's a good movie. I love it. Yeah. I think it's not perfect, but if you combine Man of Steel with Superman Returns, you have a great Superman movie. Kevin Spacey is Lex Luthor. That's a selling point right there. Yeah, he's fantastic in it. And the good thing with that is, like, is that in a year of reboots, that wasn't a reboot. That was technically a sequel. <laughs> and maybe that's where it went wrong. <laughs> that's, but that's something that more people should do. Like, it would be interesting to see them, because Bond is really the first series that did that. They're like, we're going to make a sequel, and we know that it's not really a sequel, but we're going to have ties to it. And that's something that more movies should do. That's why I, I hope when they do recast, if they recast, maybe Daniel Craig, if if the contracts are offering him are true, he'll play him till he dies. Um, <laughs> but if Daniel Craig is replaced, I hope they don't just go with a complete reboot, like reference it, have it take place in the same universe as these. What's going to actually happen if he signs on, but in between like filming, he does slit his wrist and die? Like, is there going to be a huge big thing and they're <laughs> going to be like... Well, we should have really cared for Daniel Craig's mental health because he did warn us. Um, they were cries of help. <laughs> exactly. Let me out of Bond. Now, if that's all a bomb that is, bomb- then why don't more terrorists do that? Like, that seems like a pretty easy <laughs> bomb to be able to get into places. <laughs> well, most of these guys, I mean, they have, like, really dangerous missions. They got to do parkour moves and everything. <laughs> they just tell him, clip something onto a gas tank. Exactly. This sequence, though, this is, like, again, the the big selling feature. I probably had more issues with the second half of the movie when I originally saw this than I did the first half. And I think that's because this first half is more traditional Bond. And then the second half I was comparing a lot to the novel, too, which is something I never had to do with a Bond movie before. But, uh, Except like, for th- this action day. sequence, this... <laughs> <sighs> which, technically, I mean, similar things to Moonraker and that. They kind of use that, but... With this, this could have been the climax of a movie. I mean, I would argue this action sequence is the biggest one of the movie, yeah. and it's not even close to the climax of the movie yet. I, I still question, like, and again, I think, was it you or Noah explained that maybe they're just getting the plane ready, they're not actually having the press call tonight, but, like, yeah. why do they have it at night, and there doesn't seem to be that much press there for it. <laughs> well, I think if it was late at night when Demetrius and Bond left Nassau, and they caught a plane. I mean, this is probably four, maybe five in the morning, I would think. Good point. Didn't think about that. Oh, I love that shot. We, we talked in the last one about how you watch Bond trailers so many times before it comes out, and you just memorize the moments in the trailers, and that moment where the two trucks are coming and he rolls across the road. I just remember seeing that in the trailer and just freaking out. And always the shot of the car that goes, the cop car that goes, when it flies through the yeah. air. And obviously, you know, I mean, this is post 9-11 U.S. airports and clearly somehow they're allowing two men to go through a chase with guns on a (laughs) gas tank and only a couple of cop cars will eventually find them soon. And what were in those suitcases that that made them explode? (laughs) All the more shameful why they won't change their security codes in airports now. (laughs) Like, those things should be changed hourly. (laughs) Do they do that on Mythbusters, drive through a bus and see if it explodes <laughs> no it would be a nice one to do though we can email them for the reboot <laughs> of Mythbusters 
Oh, here, here come the, the hot Miami police squad. Yep. Three cars. <laughs> Again, That's airport security. Post 9-11 America at airports. That's realistic. Yeah. <laughs> this, is a, this is a country where people get shot for being pulled over. Um, like, no offense to our American listeners, it's happening, you know it's real, but like, you know, I kind of think if this is legitimately happening in an airport, you know, they would send in the army probably at this point, like there would be F-18 Hornets flying over shooting them. Oh, here's the shot here. Nice. <laughs> yep. And there was nobody sky surfing in the background, so <laughs> James Bond was successfully rebooted. <laughs> That's actually how Die Another Day should have ended. Uh, <laughs> on the plane. On oh, my door, not my door. I love my door. I love he buckles up for safety. <laughs> You're a suicide bomber. Now he puts bomber. on his seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that really a thing that? What, why wouldn't he think to put on a seatbelt all the other times? I don't. I don't necessarily think a suicide bomber gets into their car and he's all like, "Oh, I better be safe. I might get pulled over." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't text and, and drive. Why did he put the seatbelt on? And now, now he's like. Okay, he clearly was about to drive himself into this, which is why he buckled up. And then he squeezes out of his seatbelt when he realizes Bond's still alive. Why not let Bond kill you? You're a suicide bomber. Like, the bomb's about to go off. You're now worried. No, I want to live. <laughs> How do I live? <laughs> oh, I love Daniel Craig's expression. <laughs> Stops. Cracks me up every time. <laughs> He's like, what just happened? <laughs> it's not as good as... He's like, am I, am I dead? Is this heaven? Not as good as... Duh. <laughs> we should have seen the duh ladies of Skyfall <laughs> right there in the plane. <laughs> yeah, she looked down. Duh. <laughs> and again, completely unrealistic. They only hit him once. Like, I mean, they, they should be kicking the shit out of him. Oh, wait, he's not black. Never mind. I won't say the joke this time. <laughs> I was about to say that and you went there. All right, sorry. I went there. And I love that they all had their guns pulled on. I was like, there's gasoline everywhere. I would just love Bond to say, I dare you, pull the trigger. Uh-oh. Oh, and the smile that Daniel Craig has here, too, is fantastic. <laughs> Bond is a prick to suicidal people. <laughs> <laughs> Bond just goes to mental institutions and stands there and looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Lashif here. Oh, only a hundred and whatever million dollars. This is also another area where I don't think at the time I realized how they were going more classic Bond. Like, yeah, they ditched some of the classic Bond things, but they go classic Bond in areas like the villain has only had three scenes in the first hour of the movie. He's a very minor character at this point. And that's something like the old Bond movies usually wouldn't get introduced to the villain until an hour into the movie. 
unless it's a red herring and you think they're dead, but they're secretly a white British man who likes to jump out of helicopters. Or planes. Or a red branch. (laughs) Again, the pointless nature of Solange. She was there to lay on a floor, stick her hair up Bond's nose, and then die in a net. (laughs) I'm not saying she's a legend, but I mean... (laughs) Lisa from For Your Eyes Only had less significance, and that's a decent character. That guy sucks at being an agent. He just goes and vomits, and M's just like, I'm yeah. I'm tough. I can look at a dead body. He doesn't have the stomach for this job. No. Does, does M need to be there in person? Probably not. <laughs> Considering what's gone on, it may be a risk to her as well. Okay, any excuse, isn't it? M, M must hate a job back in London. She's like, oh, bloody London again. Yeah. Better get on a plane. Oh, I love that. Ow. Yes. <laughs> but, like, maybe this is just her excuse to go to the Bahamas. Like, I love that line in Thunderball when Bond was supposed to go to Canada. And he goes, oh, I, you know, ask if you reassign me to Nassau. It's like, uh, for any particular reason other than your love for water sports. <laughs> That's M. M just wants a vacation. The deleted scene, of course, after this was that she removed her clothes to see a bikini and she just went to the beach. <laughs> well, this is, this is the sexy M of all the Emerald. So. Oh, Ray Fines, come on. <laughs> well, he showed a lot of cleavage too, I guess. Mm-hmm. That is a nice pull. Thanks for drowning in. <laughs> so if they knew then that somebody's stock, they made a lot of money after 9-11, have they not, like, why, there's a Bond movie there, isn't there? <laughs> like, Bond tracks down the terrorists who profited from 9-11. Would have made a great Bond movie. They should have made that in 2002. <laughs> I wonder how that would have gone down. James Bond hunts Osama Bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> James Bond somehow gets on the plane about to fly into the trade center and stops it like that... other than being held in North Korea and then DNA therapy I don't know if the Americans would have taken it that too well they would have been like we don't need a British person to save us <laughs> fuck you <laughs> it would have been a mission impossible it would have been Tom Cruise Ethan Hunt or whatever is it Ethan yeah. Hunt that's his name yes Ethan Hunt that's Ethan Hawke Ethan Hawke's the actor isn't he <laughs> <laughs> yes Ethan Hunt <laughs> I will say I'm bothered when people hang their sunglasses on their <laughs> shirts. It's just one of these things that I hate that people do. It's again, it's dad esque, like you know. It's <laughs> it's like it's like when you have the sunglasses with the elastic band connecting <laughs> them that you hang around your neck. It's so uncool. But even James Bond makes that look cool. <laughs> I just want to see him in like a John Deere hat in the next movie. <laughs> Sweater wrapped around his neck, boat shoes. <laughs> Come on, Em. Take it off. Go go to the bikini. <laughs> Come on, Judy. Oh. Montenegro. Oh, the most exotic country in the world. Mind you, I think we touched on this, or did we? I mean, Montenegro was basically the newest country in the world in 2006, so... Yeah, it's a good location, too. It's... Again, they just choose countries that no one's ever heard of. Here comes the much-debated line on our show. 
Now, were you, was it you or Noah who hated that line? I'm not a fan of it. I don't think I was, um, and I might have been, I don't know. It, it's very cheesy the way she comes in. I'm the money. Every penny of it. It's very cheesy, but wow, there's a mouthful in Die Another Day, isn't it? <laughs> Tally Berry, she's an Academy Award winner, she's allowed to. Um, I don't know, I can't remember if I... I probably did. <laughs> this is like, um, I think if we do the all-time Hall of Fame episode, I think this is one that I would put up as an easy contender. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in all the Daniel Craig movies. Yeah. Oh, that's right. This is where we get the love story. Is not believable. <laughs> Again, like that's not love. He just wants to bone her, and she that's just wants every to bone Bond him. Movie. That's every Bond movie. The difference is he just wants to bone her for a longer period of time in this movie, other than three days in the regular Bond movie. Here, it's like three months. George Lazenby got married. Like <laughs> he got married after knowing her for two weeks. That's allowed in the sixties. It was expected. <laughs> and it's George Lazenby. Who wouldn't want to marry him after two weeks? Is Eva Green actually oh. British? No, she's. I think she's French, isn't ah, she? Well, there you go. <laughs> it says a lot. Why does it say a lot? <laughs> Well, she's French. French. I don't need to say anything more. She is French. <laughs> yeah, she's French. She has a good British accent. I'll give it. Uh, that. I think uh, I, it's funny you said that because it wasn't until you said that that I realized no, she actually wasn't British. She has a twin. But sister. I remember when she was well when she was cast in this. Oh, she does have a twin. <laughs> that got our attention. Twins, Basil. That- <laughs> <laughs> Where's the Greek twins? <laughs> I'm well, looking. Funny enough, um, I didn't see the movie, but I knew who she was because when she was cast in this, they said this actress from some controversial French movie. And French movies get a lot of attention in Canada because it's our second language. Half the country is French. Lou is a lesbian room. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, the prequel to that. <laughs> French is the lesbian twin. Uh, <laughs> but uh... No, I like Eva Green. She's pretty good then. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I knew who she was, and I remember there was only one English language movie I saw her in, which was a terrible movie about the Crusades called Kingdom of Heaven with Orlando Bloom oh, heard of that, yeah. and Liam Neeson. And she was in it. I just thought it was partly just the way her character was in the movie, but I just thought she was so unattractive. Like, I, I remember, oh, great, now the Bond movies are casting ugly girls. This is it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ugly bonds, <laughs> ugly girls. <laughs> but I think it was just like that movie or something because I don't, I don't have a problem with her in any movie. And I can't wait for her and her twins. Uh... <laughs> um, solo film? I don't know. <laughs> She's. I'm just looking like I. Yeah, I, I've like not seen her in anything <laughs> except for this. Clearly, She's in the Golden Compass. That Daniel Craig was in that, wasn't he? You haven't seen any of her other movies. Uh, I've definitely not seen Cracks. Um, <laughs> White Bird in a Blizzard. Must have missed that one. Uh, <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't seen any of her other movies. Just looking at this list right now. She hasn't been in many. She was in Penny Dreadful? Oh, that's a TV show, right? Correct. 
I'm, in- <laughs> I'm interested about White Bird in the Blizzard. Is it literally just a bird in a... Oh, it's a French movie. Never mind. <laughs> oh, Shailene Woodley's in it, though. Maybe I will watch it. You're, you're insulting half of the nation of Canada right now. Hey, Canada's fine because it's like you've got French-Canadian. Canadians in the word. Well, the whatever. But, like... Well... She was in 300, Rise of an Empire, Sin City 2. I haven't seen the first or the second ones of either of those franchises. <laughs> <sighs> See, Shailene Woodley would be, you know, I'd watch that with a, as a Bond girl. Oh, don't even get me started. Oh, <laughs> I'll get in trouble if I get started. I, I, uh, You're not a Shailene Woodley don't. fan? <laughs> I hate her. I hate her. I hate her. Oh. We just missed the... Tiffany, Stephanie, Broadchest. I wasn't even listening. <laughs> oh, well, the the other great line is coming up. The the single line. <laughs> now, what is cracks? Let's find this. Over here. That's the line right there. <laughs> That's the movie she did with her sister. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An independent drama film. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, it's got Imogen. So it's got Imogen Poots in it. Oh, what an actress! <laughs> oh, it's Ridley and Tony Scott executive produced it. Oh, actually, I'll take that back. Imogen Poots was in V for Vendetta, so. <laughs> <laughs> now that is the shittest signature I've ever seen. She literally just like went. Ugh. This is lazy. <laughs> they do a good job yeah, of this heard... movie. The fact that essentially all the second half borders down to is a card game. <laughs> yeah, which is really the majority of the book too. Um, strangely enough, there are two scenes that I wasn't happy with in this because they changed it from the book because that's the thing when it does kick into the book stuff here it's exactly like almost word for word from the book and they only change a few things and those few things they changed really bothered me on opening night just looking here about eva green she's a uh bafta rising star award winner um she won it in 2007 was um in the following year shia labeouf won it um kristen stewart <laughs> also a winner of that award um so she's in esteemed company there um she also Can we go back to 1999 and see if denise richards won oh, it only starts in 2006 james mcavoy um oh. but the she also is the empire award for best newcomer winner in 2007 an award she shared with brandon ruth uh, oh nice <laughs> so, they've gone on to I'm big things say in defense of Brandon Routh, that guy's fantastic in everything else I've seen him in. Wasn't he in... What was that cult movie he was in where he played, like, some... Rent? Pilgrim vs. the World? Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but I always read about that, like, yeah. Oh, actually, well, one of my Eva Green, she's in esteemed company because also the, another Bond girl won the award in 2003. Rosamund Pike won the Empire Award for Best Newcomer. So, you know, there you go. And they both went on to big things. Well... Rosamund Pike did. 300, I didn't fire. <laughs> now, Mathis is amazing. Oh, yes. Well, I think we all agreed with him. Didn't he, like, make our, you know, Craig wrap-up, like, best 
well ally, ally yeah. yeah. And I and I have I I remember making the comment that I preferred his role in Quantum of Solace, just wishing there were more of it. I still stand by that. There's no knock against it. There's Michael G. Wilson cameo there. Two mm. young women fawning over him. <laughs> that's just that's not even that that wasn't even acting. That was just him in the background yeah. waiting. Like that's that's how these Bond girls get the parts in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they sleep with Michael G. Wilson. Didn't you notice yeah. that that was um, Blue is the Lesbian Room girl? Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You've forgotten her name now. <laughs> um, yeah, I have. I've uh, forgotten her name. Uh, <laughs> I'm mocking. I'm, I wasn't going to refer to her as Blue is the Lesbian um, Room. <laughs> oh, this is... Yeah, hang on. <laughs> What's going on? Madeline Swan. That was her name, Madeline Swan. No, I'm thinking about the actress. Um, I, was I, I just thought it was Madeline Swan. Yes, <laughs> I do. There we go. Yeah, Leia Sedu. Princess Leia Sedu. <laughs> Denise Richards. What a boner. <laughs> I get all testy when you bring her. <laughs> You're just like, what about her? <laughs> this scene's amazing, too. Like, I love all the Bond Vesper scenes. This is the best chemistry any Bond and Bond girl has had in so long. You know I'm going to disagree with that, but I do I do love the bit when he brings a suit in. <laughs> yeah. It's tailored! <laughs> this is something that's not in the book, but they did a good job. I'm not just saying the scene where they're picking each other's clothes, but the, the idea that they're kind of combative, I mean, in the book, there wasn't really much of a relationship at all, other than Bond saying, I would totally bone this girl. But that complicates the job. And then her being like, oh, James, will you please save me? Um, but other than like this, this is this is what makes the movie better than the book here. Can we please do just like a book reading where you impersonate women sounding like that? Oh, James, save me. <laughs> I seriously would love to do a book reading. Like, I just think that would be fun. <laughs> we should just do one of the short stories. <laughs> Here's the scene where Daniel Craig checks himself out. Like, even Daniel Craig <laughs> just marveled at his beauty. But you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Men in Black when, uh, you know, Will Smith gets in the suit and then he turns yeah. around and goes, you know what the difference between you and his? I make this look good. Yeah. <laughs> just waiting for him to turn that around. That was the moment where Daniel Craig was speaking to Timothy Dalton with his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Timothy. <laughs> You were great as Bond, and I'm going to let you finish. But I look so much better as Bond of all time. I wonder how the um, tourism to Montenegro... Oh, there's another girl flirting with him, even though she speaks two words. (laughs) Good evening, Doomy. Oh, they've got better security there than they do at the bloody... (laughs) I was just about to say that. Where's where's our favorite banker? I love that guy. Oh yeah, Mr. what was his name? Um Mendelssohn? Yeah. Do you have any chocolates? <laughs> now you obviously, I mean you went into this. You've read the book. You're smart. You can read. So you knew that Vesper was <laughs> was evil. I mean, I'm I'm honest with you. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> like I had no idea what I... this movie that she was evil. But Again, like having read, I mean, I'd seen Bond movies and then read the books afterwards. So I knew that a lot of the more complicated stuff like that had been left out of the movies. 
And coming to this, even knowing they were going for a gritty movie, up until the very end, I didn't think they'd go there with this. I, I was 100% convinced, oh, they're not going to actually adapt the end because how can you end a movie like that? It just didn't even seem possible for a Bond movie to go that dark and that tragic. But if they hadn't have, would that not have like completely screwed it over for you? Would you have not been like completely like, oh, they ruined the book? I mean, that to uh, me kind of seems like the main plot point in a way. It, it Well, I think not not even so much the main plot point because it's... I mean, I think the story's over. You can still tell the story of Casino Royale and that's just sort of the last twist, but plot twist! Um, but what it does is I've always said that that moment, what happens with Vesper is what sets up Bond. Most people criticize them for, throughout the entire history of Bond is just being this chauvinist, violent guy, cold. And the reason he's like that is because of what happened with Vesper. Yeah. So it, I think it was important for people to understand there's a, there's a reason why Ian Fleming wrote the character the way he did. And that's why I would assume kind of, I mean, I guess after hearing your explanation, but I mean, it does make a lot of sense. And I'd, I just, I would assume that this movie would just, I don't know if it would be as good if that they removed that element from it and that she was just a random Bond girl that he bedded. And, like, I mean, yeah, I can say what well, I want about, have... like, their chemistry and their love, but, I mean, I think that, you know, no matter what I believe, obviously he is, quote, in love with her and was willing to leave his job and go off and live happily mm-hmm. ever after with her, and, I mean, that's going to fuck you over. So I think that's very important that they kept that in this. It, it must have been, like, a nerve-wracking decision to make. For one, like we just said, other than Bourne coming out, before this, the reason there are a lot of born comparisons is just because people didn't make gritty, realistic, dramatic action movies. Action movies were Arnold Schwarzenegger. Action movies were Mark Wahlberg or uh, <laughs> Jackie Chan. They weren't serious dramas. And the only time they'd ever attempted in a Bond movie, when they did stick to you know the dramatic, tragic ending of a book, was on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And audiences were just sort of like confused by it. So they had to have been nervous about how people would have received the ending of this. But all was forgiven, because then we spent the next three movies after this still hearing about Vesper and why Bond is fucked up over her. I I know that you're a couple seconds behind me right now, but the second that Vesper walked in and they showed her cleavage, you said, but all is forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of, like, not as attracted to her now that I re- realise she's French. <laughs> Just pretend she's British. No. Who else is French? Let's think. <laughs> <laughs> what other Bond girls might be French? Sophie Marceau. <laughs> Leia Sadu. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. <laughs> I just love that. Who else is French? <laughs> Gerard Depardieu. Let's list off all the people Ben hates because they were born different. <laughs> oh, everybody listening to 007 can't wait when Idris Elba is cast as Bond. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> At least he's not French. Gerard Depardieu is cast as James Bond. <laughs> oh. Didn't he, like, defect to North Korea or something? Didn't he, like, wasn't he... Deported. Gerard Depardieu? No, he did something. There was something that, like, he was wanted in some country for something, and then he was like, I don't know if it was not, I'm, I'm not even joking, like, seriously, I'll have to look this up. Because, like, he did something, and then they, like, had to find him. 
Um, I don't know. <laughs> like, did he make a bad movie or something? He was granted citizenship of Russia. Oh, my God, he's fat now. Jesus. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> he was granted citizenship of Russia in 2013. The same month became a cultural ambassador of Montenegro. What did he do? He did something. Hey, here's interesting trivia. He was married to Carol Bouquet, who played Molina in For Your Eyes Only. Jeez, there we go. There's a Kevin Bacon, six degrees of... Yep. Gerard Deputy might as well be Bond. How do you feel about that, Ben? <laughs> Here we go. He was... In recent years, he's attracted attention for the media, legal authorities, through his behaviour. In 2011, he urinated in a bottle, which overflowed onto the carpet of a city jet airplane as it departed Paris for Dublin. He was accused of assault and battery for puncturing a motus in Paris. Yeah, I'll just punch people in Paris. Um, he was arrested. They're just for, French. He was arrested for driving while intoxicated when he fell from his scooter. Who falls from their scooter? Uh, <laughs> and he left. He went to become official residence of Belgium in 2012. French Prime Minister Jean Marc criticised his move. <laughs> And then, and then in 2012, he publicly stated he was handing back his French passport. And then Vladimir Putin basically signed an executive order granting him. What is so good about Gerard Depardieu that world leaders denounce his moves and then grant him asylum, basically? Hey, he married a Bond girl. I like this man. He publicly announced that he wasn't French anymore. Uh. Okay, I found a picture of him and he's... He is huge, and he's, like, getting it on with uh, Vladimir Putin. This is... Wow. <laughs> oh, not a Bond girl anymore? <laughs> Trust me, if Gerard Depardieu... He be- traded up a Bond girl for... We're doing it again, aren't we? We're not talking about the film. Uh- <laughs> yeah. I've already decided, though, we will tweet the Mr. Mendelssohn guy by the end of this episode. <laughs> oh, the banker. Yes. Yeah. Well, we, we, yes, people who don't realise, if you've listened to the World Is Not Enough commentary, and we talked about uh, messaging Mr. Davidov, Davidov replied to my tweet! That's right. Life made! Didn't really say much, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Mini driver to Davidov. Oh, look, I'm, I'm getting <laughs> into big names. It's going up in the world. We're going to get, um, Der Woman, um... <laughs> well, what, when we eventually do that, you know we have to tweet her. Oh, look, I'm just too excited for that now. I don't think I need to do it now. Uh, and does she even have to? <laughs> what would you do if she did? And her profile picture was the woman from. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I found a Hannah Stokely, but this is definitely not. <laughs> it's like a 15 year old girl, apparently. <laughs> Then stop trolling 15-year-old girls and watch the movie. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. See that that was Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> this, too, is another thing that made... We'll talk about the movie for a second. Oh, right, yeah. Um, that that. made Lashif a little bit different, that he was a weak villain. I mean, he's, you know, brilliant, obviously has a lot of power, but he's the one in jeopardy the entire movie, and he, he kind of is quivering like a little baby by the end of the scene and that just makes him a more interesting villain he's a desperate villain he's you know yeah i agree well that's what makes it so great when he does like take bond and vesper hostage near the end sorry for the spoiler there oh, for well, all of our listeners that listen to our commentary before watching it 
but it makes it more interesting because he has to do this. I mean, he's going to die otherwise. Now, again, to date this podcast, is he is he evil in Rogue One, or do we not know who he is in Rogue One? Uh, I've heard that he is the guy who creates the Death Star. Well, I mean, the guy's played a Bond villain. He played Hannibal fucking Lecter. So, of yeah. course, he has to create the Death Star. I don't think I've ever seen him as a good guy. <laughs> Next, he's going to play Hitler, or Hitler's dad, <laughs> creating Hitler. Like, I mean, seriously, this guy just... Uh, he's like the Christoph Waltz of whatever country he's from. Finland. <laughs> it's not. It's not France. <laughs> so you could care he's less. Danish. He's he's Davidov's like mentor. Well, no, Davidov was his mentor. Oh. <laughs> they could be brothers now that you look at them. They all look the same. He's originally a gymnast <laughs> and a dancer. <laughs> wow. What? And he rose to fame in Denmark as Tony, the drug dealer, in the first two films of the Pusher film trilogy. Oh. Best of Danish cinema there. Now, surely he's been in a movie with with Davidov. Like that. That's that's my next thing. I've got to find out right now. I am watching the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he did a voice in Cars. Oh, did he? He played Chick Hick- Chick Hicks in Cars. Of course, the Chick Hicks. We all know that one. <laughs> When you when you need to know, uh, you've got to go to the oracleofbacon.org. To <laughs> I love that our commentaries are now just, let's read off IMDb filmographies. I, Something that every listener has done before we've been watching this movie. Once again, the ear fetish of James Bond um, turns into... <laughs> See, it didn't... The reason he was touching his ear was to hide the ear pierce. Like, he should be easier on these people. Ulrich Thompson was in Cafe Hector with Mads Mikkelsen. See, they're in the same movie. They're Danish oh. actors. How can they not be in the same movie? <laughs> like, we know that's our next commentary. Oh, absolutely. Cafe Hector. There we go. <laughs> Stuff all James Bond movies. I just noticed a slow-mo shot as Bond was thrown down the staircase there, and it kind of bugs me now that I've seen it. I don't like slow motion in Bond movies. Die another day, reference. Because you just never see it. Wow, Cafe Hector looks like a shit movie. You're watching the trailer as you're commenting. I'm your looking at it on IMDb. Um. <laughs> Which, sorry to date the podcast, is the Internet Movie Database. <laughs> a website from the year 2016. Lars Mikkelsen. Uh, no, Mads Mikkelsen. Lars Mikkelsen, his brother or something like that? Mads Mikkelsen plays is it Anders and Ulrich Thompson plays Christian. Sounds like a winner. I can see why you're so disappointed. <laughs> You've got two Mickelsons and Davidov. Like, what more could you want? Uh, maybe the Green Twins? <laughs> <laughs> now, we know that's in that... What was that one called? Crack or whatever it was. <laughs> Cracked? <laughs> that is a pretty brutal kill there. Like, let's be honest. I mean, he's choking oh, yeah. a guy to death. There's blood. There's She's having PTSD well, and... <laughs> if you're if you're going to label the most brutal kills in Bond, I think that's right up there with the fear your eyes from your eyes only for your eyes only the kick the car over the cliff thing. <laughs> Could you imagine Roger Moore going down the stairs in that situation right then and now taking his shirt off? Like just recast this entire movie with Roger Moore. <laughs> 
at the age he would have been during Casino Royale, like 807. (laughs) Yeah, his sagging breasts right now as he stared in the mirror. But I do believe that this suit is tailored. (laughs) (laughs) But I believe that was Al. (laughs) To the right there, please. Yes, to the right. (laughs) Oh, Daniel Craig. This is a great line here. The weeping bloodline. Is it ever explained why he cries blood? Uh, well, he he kind of says it's just a birth defect or something, I think. In the book, there was nothing like that. Um, I think the closest thing they had to any type of quirk or deformity in the book, as they mentioned that he had feminine features. <laughs> yes, because as we all know about females, they often cry blood. <laughs> oh, and is this scene here, another one, this is a short scene, but every scene with Bond and Vesper is just perfect. Like, you could just put together a reel of all the Bond and Vesper scenes, and I would be happy. I could just watch that all night. I couldn't. Is this, is this the one that bothered you, the finger-looking good scene? I would just admit it's, it's a, like, I don't know. It's just something about it. Like, I get what they're trying to do, but, like, let's go into a shower. She, I mean, he probably thinks she, she slid his, her wrist because he's found, like, a broken wine glass. And then she's, like, <laughs> suffering PTSD. So instead of giving her a cuddle, you suck her fingers. Yeah, well, why not? Like, I get the blood's on your hand, but, I mean, like, is he a vampire? Does he want to lick the blood off? Because he's like, ooh, blood, ooh, yummy. Or is Look, that just if you're in a shower with Eva, <laughs> If you're in a shower with Eva Green and you'd rather cuddle than lick something, Ben, then I'm concerned about I'm you. <laughs> lick something, not the fingers. It's, I mean, what is it? Like, he's giving her a hint? Like, oh, look what I'm doing. I'm sucking on something long and pointy. Maybe you should do the same. Well, we all know what Bond can do with his little finger. So he's just trying to give her a hint of what he could do to hers. Well, maybe that's just reference to Skyfall in a couple of movies that he he's gay. <laughs> what makes you think this is my first time? Exactly, the fact there you he go. didn't get it on with Vesper in the shower, you just licked her finger? I mean, that's love right there. That's clearly, they're so in love. Just in a shower together in their clothes, licking fingers. Mm, it's romantic. Yeah, let's not talk about License to Kill again, okay? <laughs> hey, it's more romantic going to a fun fair than it is sitting in the shower licking fingers. That was Living Daylights, which I also have arguments with. But License to Kill, a barroom fight, an argument in a boat, and then they're boning each other. We all know that blinking fishes cause lots of pregnancies in 1987. <laughs> or 1989, I should say. Like, whatever. The blinking fish is evidence that everybody watched that movie who was just stoned. <laughs> I was born in 1987, okay, and that clearly came after my parents went to a fun fair, okay? So, like, whatever. Everybody's birth can be tied back to a James Bond film. Except in 2007, because everyone was gay. (laughs) The only reason anybody mates is because they see a Bond movie and it gets them going. (laughs) How cool is Mathis that, like... (laughs) He dumps a body in a trunk, and he just strategically waits to trigger the cell phone. 
Now, like, can we, like, have the spin-off of this, like, the trial of this guy? Like, you know, is the only evidence a body in the car? Is that enough to convict someone? Like, if I'm walking in a car park and there are cops around a boot and all of a sudden they open the boot and I just happen to be standing next to it, am I arrested and going to jail? Probably. <laughs> you have a dead body in your truck. But what if it's not mine? What if, like, what if, is that his car? Well, that's what the trial's for. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be like, you know what? There's a dead body in your trunk. I'm willing to take benefit of the doubt. It might not have been you that put him in there, so you can go free now. And we'll settle this later. You know, I've actually never noticed that that the uh, the evil the Asian gray haired Asian dude has like super long hair. <laughs> Did you notice know like a massive ponytail? <laughs> I've never noticed that before. You were too distracted by which one at the table here? Oh, the guy with the cards around his shirt, of course. The dealer. Yeah. <laughs> well, sexy green Asian that lady. Like... <laughs> the card dealer, it always kind of bothered me that it looks like a bulletproof vest made of cards. <laughs> well, it probably was. He's probably very scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are dangerous people. Yeah. I see, yeah, I still don't get poker. <laughs> they should play Snap. I would get that game. <laughs> Crazy eights, anybody? Blackjack. See, it's it's Baccarat in the book, but it took so long to explain the rules that <laughs> they didn't want to do it again. <laughs> I really hope we don't ever do the commentary of like the nineteen fifties James Bond half the movie taking yeah. up explaining the rules. How cool would it be to be that rich that you could just bet a million dollars? Oh, bet the government's money. Yeah, it's only the government's How money. How cool would it be to have a government that rich that they could afford to throw away a million dollars? Do, do you think this was leaked? Do you think the press got a hold of this? <laughs> the government <laughs> has been accused of being reckless by having one of their agents gamble a million dollars. Now, now that they've got another female Prime Minister of Britain, do you think she's going to make a cameo in a future Bond movie like Margaret Thatcher did? <laughs> well, it wasn't really Margaret Thatcher. Don't ruin but... the illusion. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really Dennis, so we'll let people in on that. <laughs> oh, and this is, this is where it's Bond's youth. Bond's youth? Well... They're trying to show here that Bond is still young and reckless in, oh, in right, ways right, that right. he isn't in the other movies. Because think about it, in every other movie, Bond always has the upper hand. Like, the octopusy scenes where he just can magically win with the dice every single time. <laughs> but here, Bond, he actually makes a mistake and he admits it. Chifra? Is it Le Chiffre? Le Chiffre? Do we ever, like, is it a... I mean, it's French-sounding, so... Uh, well, I mean, the proper way to pronounce it would probably be Le Chiffre. No, Mr. Canadian maybe it's just French like, man. You, you speak so fast, you know, when you're speaking a foreign language, people speak so fast that you don't notice what they're saying half the time. <laughs> Le Chiffre. Le Chiffre. Le Chiffre. I think it's just they roll their R's, so you never hear the R. It's just Le Chiffre. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a horse. The sheep. The horses are back in. Yay! Horses are back. It's been a while since we talked about horses. Did I just? 
Did I just say how spectacular that necklace is that Vesper's wearing? <laughs> You're looking that high up? Well, it's pointing down, so... <laughs> wow. I don't know how you're looking at a necklace. Uh... <laughs> I was looking at the direction the necklace was headed. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't know James Bond was Canadian. <laughs> <gasps> Sorry, eh? That they redid the scene in the world is not enough. Thought I'd forgotten you, Ata. I'm sorry, eh? (laughs) (laughs) One step away from being Canadian again. Just such a cock tease, (laughs) the James Bond universe. Unless she tells him to get his hand off her arm, but not get your mouth off my fingers. You're a bloody idiot. Now he's Australian. You notice when it when it cuts back, I don't know if you're there yet, but when it cuts back in the casino there, the big guy at the table, he's sitting there with his finger in one of like the butler's faces or something. I don't want you pulling that on me again. <laughs> he's like the belligerent drunk right now. Is this the fruit one? Is this the Felix hates fruit? Uh, or is that Quantum Souls? No, I think that's a little bit later, but that yeah, it is coming up in one of the scenes here. Yeah, hold the fruit. Because <laughs> <laughs> we get the, we get the quantum of solace. <laughs> He's eating the peppers. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is the one. This is just, Bond is an asshole to bartenders. Does it look like I give a damn? Yeah, <laughs> He's just doing his job, James. I, I have to say, I love Felix's introduction here. I mean, it's not really his introduction, but the introduction of being Felix. <laughs> Sounds like a reality show, being Felix. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was sitting I at the table not ordering the fruit, and then all of a sudden this British guy came up to me. <laughs> that's that's the, the Americanized version of the film noir. <laughs> I was sitting alone at the table. It was a dark night for me. A British guy came up to me <laughs> said, hold the fruit. Fruit. <laughs> You see, I don't like fruit. I had a bad incident with <laughs> pineapple one day. More about that later. <laughs> I think there are certain roles where you can change. You don't have to... St- it's not about sticking to appearance. I think there's certain roles where you can change it up. Like, in today's day and age, are you going to get a guy as cool as Jack Lord, who's white? Mm. You know? <laughs> So casting Jeffrey Wright, I think, works because he just has like this natural coolness about him. And I know I heard an interview with Jeffrey Wright when this came out where he said he wanted to play this like he was Jack Lord. And I think that's why Felix is, even though it's a small role, I think that's why I like Jeffrey Wright as Felix. I have to say, I think we talked a lot about this in the other ones, but I mean, Felix is so wasted in the Daniel Craig era movies. Like, I mean, it's great they brought him back. Like, I mean, we hadn't seen him in a while, but he was still, you know, with dinner. But... Um, but (laughs) In all fairness, outside of Doctor No, uh, Live and Let Die and License to Kill, is there any movie Felix isn't wasted? Good point. Yes, but like, I mean, I don't know. In, in a reboot, uh, there, there's more you could do with him. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna, I mean, he's pointless. Yeah, you're in the ditching next movie. Money Penny. You're ditching Q. You've got Felix. You might as well use him a bit more. But I do like what Jeffrey Wright does as Felix. I, I agree. And I, this is I do about like Felix. Yeah, like this is about Felix's involvement in the novel too. I, I do hate the cock tease inspector. I'm going to call my friend Felix. Oh, Felix is back. No, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright went to the movies and watched that. And like, but fuck, where are they? <laughs> it does leave hope 
that not only is Felix coming back, but that uh, Monica Bellucci is as well. Oh, don't we want her back? Yes. Uh, here's the scene that I was upset by, even though this is one of my favorite scenes now. Um, in the book, it was different. There was a scene where Bond was at the table, and there was a basically a guy hiding with a gun pointed on Bond the whole time. And Bond knew that he had a gun on him, and he had to throw the hand. Was and it in a stick like one of those... a cane? <laughs> I think it was something like that, but um, but I remember when I saw this, I was just disappointed because they stuck so close to the book in so many areas, and that was one of my favorite scenes in the book, that all of a sudden, oh, well, no, it's just that he's poisoned. But now, I, I mean, I don't know why I would ever want anything other than Bond being poisoned and defibrillating himself. Yeah, a gun at the back. That's 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 modern. <laughs> I still don't get the salt thing. Like, what does that, like, how does he know that? Like, and what does it achieve? Well, I mean, Do we know that? Are we medical? You, well, I would assume if you sol- swallow a bunch of salt water, you're probably going to throw up. Oh, not necessarily. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just stick your fingers down your throat, Bond. <laughs> Look, he's so... You're like all the Bond girls do. Come on, Bond. <laughs> he's, so, he, he's so disappointed that he's banging Bond again. He's walking out in traffic to try and kill himself. There's the moment where he starts slitting his wrist, yep. too. And what, what, why doesn't Vesper, like, I mean, I know she eventually does, but, like, what's taking her so long? <laughs> That's love. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not love yet. He's just licked her fingers once. <laughs> I mean, shouldn't she be concerned, like, with the money? Like, come on. Hey, and, you know, we talk about how there's not really gadgets. I, I consider this a gadget. I don't know how many people have a defibrillator in their glove box. <laughs> Bond's being poisoned. He's going, and she just gets, oh, well, better do something then. Wait, and how long did they have to rig up this car with all that <laughs> stuff that he has in there? He just won it off Demetrius, like, two days earlier. Exactly. And, I mean, was there... A, well, there wasn't a queue back then, was there? Or was it... <laughs> I mean, we never got to see him. John Cleese was just in his final days. Yeah. And like uh, you think they would get a better machine that doesn't take so long to charge? <laughs> well, I don't think they anticipate that many people needing to <laughs> start their own heart. <laughs> what would have happened if he did hit the red button there? Like when he's like, "Don't hit the red button! Don't hit the red button!" Would he just like give himself a shock and? Oops. <laughs> I mean, if this is all you need to like save your life, like hospitals are going to be obsolete in a while. Just like. <laughs> yelling at him I'm dying here stop yelling at me you're putting pressure on me how far are you behind what What are you seeing right now <laughs> like he's just about he's just realised it's not plugged in and he's just passed out oh man she just brought him back to life where I'm at how about I fast forward a little bit then <laughs> yeah you fast forward a bit <laughs> okay so where are you up to now this is, this is still better than when Noah and I were both watching DVDs of Dr. No and somehow we're losing sync every five minutes. What is it about downloaded versions, legally, of course, that are slow? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Your digital copy that Sony sent you legally. Yes, they, they contacted me last night. Like, ben, I hear you're doing a commentary for our movie. Here you go. All right, where are you up to I now, I love this then? line, too, here. Humor that Bond has. I wouldn't dream of it. That's a Pierce Brosnan line there. That's one of those lines where you could picture Pierce saying it. 
did we ever talk about the idea that Quentin Tarantino pitched for Casino Royale? I don't know. I think I read about it, or if we did talk about it, I, I kind of have a vague idea of what you are talking about. But refresh our memories. Well, like, well, I think it was 2003, 2000. It was around the time he finished Kill Bill, so maybe 2003, 2004. And he was asked what he wanted to do for his next movie. And apparently not only... Like, he wasn't even hired to do it. He just wrote a script for Casino Royale. You know, it was Quentin Tarantino's take on Casino Royale. And the idea was that he wanted to use that as, like, let's do another Pierce Brosnan movie, but let's go back to a classic Bond style. And, of course, you know, they never used him. He wasn't hired to do it. It was just he tried to pitch this idea, you know, sort of publicly in the media. But I can't imagine what a Quentin Tarantino Bond movie is going to look like. It'd be reverse order. This would be the opening scene. Um, <laughs> Bond would have cut his partner's ear off in the opening scene because he was holding it too much. Would have would have smuggled something up his ass for about thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> um, would have talked about French Big Macs instead of a defibrillator. Vesper would have taken an adrenaline shot to Bond's heart. Yes, exactly. Would have. There's ways we can write this as Tarantino. <laughs> In all serious though, does it not kind of sort of excite you to think of Quentin Tarantino doing a James Bond movie? It's kind oh, of like I going back to whole... kind of going back to when Steven Spielberg nearly did a James Bond movie. Yeah, well, I can picture the whole the fruit thing being a Tarantino line. <laughs> <laughs> it would maybe be about fifteen minutes longer. See, the reason I don't like fruit is <laughs> some scene of dancing around, just stuck in the middle of you, about to cut his ear off and. All right, I'm up to the bit where he's... Uh, oh, this is great listening for people. This is fantastic. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> just I want to think of... The listeners at home, too. Um, <laughs> Bond and Le Chief are staring at each other. They're nervous. Yeah. Le Chief's flipping his chips right now. Bond, back to Bond. <laughs> this is what all of our commenters are going to be going forward. And now Bond picks up a chip. We should just be completely table. literal, like... Um, yeah. I don't know if you've... This has got to kind of go on tangent, but I don't know if you've been watching Australian Survivor. But um, one of my things with the host of that, Jonathan LaPaglia, is I think he's too literal in his commentary. He's just literally like, they're running. They're climbing now. He's picking pieces up. Oh, they're back on the beach. Like, that's all he does. He's not like approached and he's yelling at people. So this is what we should well, do with we, these commentaries. We did... We're, we're sorry. This was kind of a bit of clickbait. We didn't. We didn't really mean to do a commentary. This is actually just narration for the blind right now. <laughs> um, we're labeling it as a commentary to get more listeners. I, in all seriousness, I actually love it when you have those DVDs when they actually have that. The you know because it's actually really yeah. fun to listen to. It's it's sad. There's um there's a not sad they have the channel like this. <laughs> there's a channel that just is all that here, but. Um, there's one TV show. There's a TV show I love called Boston Legal with James Spader. It's a spinoff of one of my favorite shows it's called The Practice. Denny Crane. It's a legal show. Yeah, exactly. William Shatner, Denny Crane. And I love that show, but the only channel it's on here is the channel for the visually impaired. So <laughs> I'll watch Boston Legal occasionally. It'll be like, Denny, Den- Denny, Denny gives a, a serious look to Alan. <laughs> so that's why Canada's great. You guys just have, you think of everyone. You have a channel dedicated to the blind. Yeah. In Australia, it's just like, fucking, we have one called Seven Mate. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about Seven Mate on other podcasts. Download off the podium. 
I like it when they have the, um, I don't know if they do it there, but a lot of our politicians in their press conferences have the uh, sign language people standing next to them as they're doing like a press yeah, conference. We, yeah, we have stuff like that here too. The chief stares at Bond. The cards move back into order. <laughs> Bond moves his hand. See, I actually do understand all the rules of poker, but... At the time I saw this movie, I didn't get why some cards are shown because I think the only version of the game I ever played was when I was a kid and you don't show any cards, you just have your own. I, I mean, there's different versions of it, but it's funny because after this movie came out, there's another poker movie I saw called Lucky You, which is, it's a, it's a movie Banner's that got that, bad it? reviews. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say Australian hero Eric Bana, but I actually really love the movie, and it's a very literal movie about poker to the point where in the commentary uh, on the DVD, they're talking about how you know most Hollywood movies, and you know they're referencing Casino Royale because it came out like a year or two before this. They're saying, oh, yeah, most Hollywood movies, it's always the biggest hands they finish with Royal Flush. And uh, in regular poker, it's just, oh, you have the highest card. I, I implore people, uh, again, getting sidetracked, but whatever, if you ever want to see what Eric Banner was like when he was actually on Australian TV. Um, his uh, sitcom or his uh, sketch comedy stuff? Yes. Have you, have you gone back and watched yeah. it? Like, you just... Yeah, I've seen I've several YouTube cl- uh, clips and stuff. Hoida. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he used to do an impersonation of a very well-known Australian TV host called Ray Martin. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, if people, I, I know some people who didn't even realize Eric Banner was Australian. I mean, seriously, out of all the Australians in Hollywood, he's one of the most Australian um, people, I swear. But like, go back and watch him in the nineties, because like you watch him in like Munich or Hulk, and well, don't watch Hulk because yeah. it was shit. But like, um, just, just... I like the first Hulk. Really? I think it's yes. still finishing right now. I'm still asleep in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited because that was what 2003. That was like when superhero movies yeah. were finally like becoming a thing and like Spider-Man and you know X-Men and I think X-Men. I even enjoyed Daredevil. There you go. There's a confession. Oh. But um and then like Hulk came out. It's like awesome Hulk. And I just remember going to the movies and being so fucking bored. And there was like the final 5 minute scene when he finally like start throwing tanks and jumps on a plane. Like that was like the best oh, bit. Not not to not to get too sidetracked, but it is pretty cool they do a whole comic book panel split screen oh, yeah, thing in that, that was movie. Interesting. But on Eric Bana, now that we're talking about him, he was one of the guys when they were rebooting this. Yeah. That was, you know, that the, the, the public names that were floated around were Clive Owen. I think he was the big one, which I think in the end they said Clive Owen was just something that the fans created. They never seriously considered him. You know, Gerard Butler was another one that was mentioned a lot. And Eric Bana for the long time. I think Eric Bana was the first one where there was realistic stories that started to come out where it seemed like, oh, it might actually be real that he could be playing Bond. And I would have loved to have seen Eric Bana Three, three Australians in the 2000s. Like, so yeah, Eric Bana, Hugh Jackman, and Julian yeah. McMahon were all touted yeah. as being Bond. Who out of those three makes the best Bond? Banner? I think Eric Bana, yeah. I mean, having seen lots of Eric Bana movies now... Um, I think Julian McMahon's the guy you would look at on the surface and be, yeah, he could have been Bond. I don't think I ever see Hugh Jackman as Bond. Hugh Jackman, I just think, is too famous to be Bond. But, like, I mean, Hugh Jackman's yeah, well, a great actor. I think Hugh Jackman's probably underrated as an actor because he just plays these characters that you don't necessarily Wolverine. talk about him for <laughs> Seven, eight times. <laughs> actors. Um, but, I mean, like, he's an Oscar-nominated 
um, actor. Yeah. But I mean, Julie McMahon. It wasn't like, for King I, Leopold, but it was for a real movie. <laughs> <laughs> huge, huge Nip Tuck fan. Julie McMahon. I mean, I think his character, Christian Troy, is one of the best characters ever in the history of TV. But like, I think he would be interesting. I don't know if he could pull it off. I mean, he's very ladies' man in Nip Tuck, but more so a bit too much for Bond. But yeah. This scene, the the whole car flipping. Yeah, this another moment from the trailer. That one where he's driving up on Vesper. That's the moment from the trailer that stuck out the most for me. Mostly because I wasn't sure how close they were going to stick to the book. And even though in the book, it's not that Vesper's lying on the road. He's going after. He realized they've taken Vesper and he's going after them. And they had laid out like you know not thumbtacks, but like nails or like those spikes that you put on a road to deflate tires. Mm. And that's how the crash happened. But I just remember seeing that moment with Vesper. I'm like, wow, they're actually taking something from the book and changing it a bit. And I love that moment. Now, <laughs> and that was the world record we talked about in the other episode, yeah. getting back to setting world records at bonds. That was the most flips a car had ever made on screen. Didn't they destroy about nine of those cars or something ridiculous like that and doing that scene? But, uh, I think just <laughs> the what if scenarios in James Bond again, like, <laughs> Too bad if, like, at that point, he was just, like, looking at something else, and he all of a sudden, boom, 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 what the fuck was that? He turned around, like, oh, shit, that was Vespa. <laughs> well, this this line here, uh, you know, I'm afraid your friend Mathis is really my friend Mathis. It's a great line, but that's the one moment that's still kind of unexplained. Mm. Is he, because at this point, I would wonder, does he know that Vesper is working with them? I mean, he could be being told just by Mr. White, okay, take this girl, Vesper, just don't torture, make Bond think he, he may not actually be working with Vesper because he's not part of Quantum, really. He's just an associate. But the whole thing with Mathis, I mean, Mathis wasn't really working with anybody, so why would she say that? Was he saying that to mess with Bond? It's silly. It leaves this question unanswered that maybe Mathis was a little bit crooked, just not in the way Bond thought he was. And he knows that Vesper's evil, right? Who, Lashif? Uh, uh, Mathis. Oh, Mathis? Um, no, I don't think he does at this point. Right. Uh, seven... And this scene here, the other part I said about the end, this was the other scene that when they were making the movie, I'm like, I, I really hope they stick close to the book, but there's no way they're going to be able to include the torture scene. So, but this was, was the... Lit- was this the actual torture scene, though, that they did in the book? This is, this is basically exactly what happens. Just Ian Fleming is very vague with the way he describes it. Which actually makes it more terrifying because it's just mentioning, like, you know, with one swing, Bond's manhood is robbed and stuff like that. But I just remember reading this. Uh, I, I read through the entire book in one night. And uh, it was probably like three in the morning reading this scene. I didn't want to go to bed afterwards. I read a book once in one night. It was called Spot. <laughs> Pretty pictures in it. You no. Know- we know it wasn't a Waldo book because you'd never be able to find him that many times in one night. <laughs> it wasn't a Magic Eye book. I couldn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do love that scene where he like uh, chops the thing out of the chair. That's like that's kind of cool. Oh yeah. And this is this is where we get slightly homoerotic Lashif. You've taken good taken care of your body. Which, let's be honest, he does. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> hey, look at the leg hair there. He's got some body hair. I wonder where else he's got hair. <laughs> still like he's pretty good aim like let's be honest like let's let's imagine having to do that like i probably would be hitting his yeah. leg not his actual balls yeah 
Again, this is my point. Like, this guy has... His balls are mashed. His balls are completely gone. And somehow he manages to get it on with Vesper in about 10 minutes' time. All right. Let's be honest. This is James Bond. There's nothing that can destroy those balls. <laughs> they need to redo this scene where, like, he actually chops his dick off, holds it up in front of him, and is like, ha-ha, I've chopped your dick off. And then 10 minutes... Sorry, no sequel, people. <laughs> 10 minutes later, he's still having sex with Vesper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also love in this scene that he mentions... I never understood the whole elaborate torture thing. Mm. He's almost mocking like the classic Bonds in this scene. Not as bad as in a couple of movies with the whole exploding pen. Like, screw you, Q! (laughs) (laughs) And this was, of course, directed by our exploding pen man, Mr. Campbell. Campbell. Kiwi extraordinaire. Meh. Right up there with the French, huh? Uh, well, I wouldn't say New Zealand is as bad as a French because... <laughs> I mean, it's not their fault that they're New Zealanders. Like, you know, let's, let's be honest. Whereas the French, like, I mean, they had a choice at one point in history, didn't they? Like, <laughs> It is. I mean, look, you know this really is funny. great. The whole to the right, to yeah. the right, to the right. To the right, to the right. <laughs> <laughs> you know the crazy thing is is when i saw this this was probably and it's a still a pg movie but this was probably the most violent torture scene i had ever seen outside of lethal weapon where mel gibson's just being electrocuted in a shower <laughs> uh but which this scene reminds me a lot of i just watched lethal weapon the other night the whole world's gonna do <laughs> scratching my balls another great line um but still this is not the creepiest thing this man has ever done on film, because he played Hannibal Lecter after this. <laughs> like, how do you top this? You play Hannibal Lecter. That's the only place you can go as an actor. Hitler, again. Um, <laughs> 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 creating the Death Star. <laughs> yeah, he destroyed all of Alderaan. That's pretty bad. I mean, this guy still, is you know what? the most evil people. I, I, would, I, I would have an easier time watching billions of people die with a planet exploding than watching... A man get his balls crushed by a heavy <laughs> knot on a rope. Colin Hilding, secretly sadistic. <laughs> That's a Canadian thing. Like, oh yeah, we'd easily watch people get blown up, but not with their balls. Well, as long as they were burning, right? <laughs> That's why you love it so much, because they're burning as their <laughs> planet explodes. Yeah. Think of all the burning bodies. <laughs> Look at this. Bond can laugh. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this guy is more female right now than most females um, after getting (laughs) smashed. Even if all that was left of him was his little finger. Good timing. Now, here's another question. When you saw this, were you expecting this to be the end of the movie? Or were you still expecting there was something else to come? Uh, probably that it I mean, was... it's two hours in at this point. Yeah, probably about the end the end of it. I mean, yeah, I mean, as, as I said, I didn't know that Vesper was evil, so I wasn't anticipating well, it. that scene aside, I was expecting some type of climax from a Bond movie, and I thought if they're adapting the book, they'd find a way to have an action scene where Bond escapes there. So when he wakes up in the hospital here, the book has 
all of this stuff with him in the hospital recovering and everything and, you know, getting it on in the hospital with Vesper and, you know, retiring and all that. But there's no more action after this. So that last action scene in Venice is written for the movie to write. a. Re they, they, they combine that with the ending with Vesper. So at this point, having read the book, I was thinking, is this how a Bond movie is going to end? Like Bond in the hospital? Well, spoiler alert, it doesn't. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those of you still listening to the commentary before watching the movie. Again, bad year 2006 cinema for, you know, iconic heroes in hospital. Superman and James Bond, both seen in hospital. That's right. There are so many connections between these movies. That's why Superman Returns is so good. <laughs> There's only one other movie that came out this year in 2006 that I think I saw multiple times. I saw Superman Returns a couple times. I saw this a couple times. And then I saw Rocky Balboa a couple times. <laughs> I still haven't seen a Rocky movie either, so... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> disgusting. You saw Madonna in concert and you haven't seen a Rocky movie. Yeah, I know which I'd choose. <laughs> <gasps> so he still now, thinks he's evil, were you right? thinking? were you thinking Mathis was evil at this point? Yeah. Because that's the other thing that from the novel, I don't... I mean, I, I reread it a couple months ago, but I still don't remember there being anything about Mathis being a double agent in it. I think this was something that I thought at the time they're going to set this up for a sequel where Mathis will become a villain. I still swear they're in Naboo right now. Yeah, well, they are. <laughs> Hold me like you did on Naboo. <laughs> I don't like sand. It's coarse <laughs> and rough and irritating. Gets everywhere. <laughs> How is it we've managed in two separate Bond movies, two separate episodes of two separate Bond movies, to reference the same scene on that Because movie? it is the most iconic scene in movie history, all right? Like, when you think of the great lines, you know, I'll be back, um, all these historic, you know, Luke used the force, all these amazing iconic lines in the history of cinema, that is the one that goes to number one. I don't like sand, Absolute. it gets everywhere. <laughs> Uh, right up there with, I wish I could just wish away my feelings, but I can't. <laughs> and if we're talking about iconic lines mentioning sand, we need to mention another Daniel Craig film, which I haven't mentioned all episode. That is Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> during the scene when they're talking to uh, Lara Croft about where she should go again. Egypt again. Nothing but sand and pyramids. And it's like, oh, yes, sand I, uh... everywhere. It gets everywhere in the cracks. <laughs> Spanish Galleon. <laughs> I always confuse which Tomb Raider movie Daniel Craig was in and which one Gerard Butler was in. The, Daniel Craig was in the first one. So Gerard Butler was the second? Yes. Because the first okay. one is the... Yeah, so Angelina Jolie is an American playing a British person. Daniel Craig is a British person playing an American. And that's the one where... Like, he's pretty ripped in Tomb Raider because she walks in on him in the shower when he's, like, naked and oh. basically checks his dick out. <laughs> that was, what, 2001? So that was, like, five years before this. Yeah. That was oh he I, I still recommend I love this bank guy. <laughs> for anybody anybody watching this I can understand why people were skeptical about even if they had seen Daniel Craig because like I said my brother and I we saw Road to Perdition and just loved the movie and went out and rented several Daniel Craig movies just because we thought he was the best thing in it ah Mendelssohn we still haven't tweeted him <laughs> Lug Ludgor even Pistor. He's is German. that his name, or have I been misquoting his name? No the no whole no time? He's, he's he's the actor's name is Ludgor Pistor. 
he was in Schindler's he's List. He's on Twitter. Um, about to find, he's in Run, Lola, oh. Run. That's a good movie. He's in Glorious... Oh, I love Run, Lola. In Glorious Bastards, X-Men First Class. Um, Who's he in X-Men First Class? He was a German farmer. <laughs> it, says, <laughs> it says roll, a German farmer. <laughs> okay. Um, don't remember it. He used to... So how do you spell his name? Uh, L-U-D-G-E-R and then Pistor, P-I-S-T-O-R. Just looking at the characters he's played, he's the most stereotypical typecast German. He has played Fritz, Wolfgang, <laughs> German farmer, <laughs> Klaus Krapp. <laughs> okay, I'm following him right now. Oh, he's got Twitter, does he? Yeah. He's like old. I didn't At realize 214 he... Lidger. I, what, what, hang on, what is it? What is his thing? At two one four Ludger, two, if this is official. Oh wow! Okay, there he is. Is it official? I don't know. It looks like him on there. It says, <laughs> if "Check not, out then... the list." Okay, he, I don't think it is because um, <laughs> his explanation is, "Check out the list of best German actors on http colon slash slash t dot co forward slash blah 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 in brackets." No official uh, account. Uh-huh. <laughs> He hasn't tweeted since the 8th of January, 2015, and he retweets a lot of dog pictures. <laughs> and he retweeted an NFL post. Report, Rob Ryan safe as Saints defensive coordinator. Uh, the Germans well, love their it... NFL. Well, you know what? We're too close to the end of the movie to find anybody else. So, uh... Well, we could go all guns blazing and go to Eva Green. <laughs> We could, yeah. <laughs> Daniel Craig definitely doesn't have Twitter. You know that. <laughs> oh, here we go. He's the love he aspect of your messed up balls. This is a fun scene here. What about Carter? Joseph Milson. Do you think he's got Twitter? Who? <laughs> Carter. <laughs> Stop touching your ear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Poor Carter. We've already, oh, he's got a website. <laughs> Joseph Wilson. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's got Twitter. Here we go. At Joseph Milson. Only 8,000 followers. He must have played Jesus or something because his profile picture looks like Jesus. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm still going with at, Lud- at 214 Ludger. All right. Well, I'm going all guns blazing. I'm tweeting Joseph Milson and I'm saying. Watching Casino Royale, wondering if Joseph Milson still touches his ear in public. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. He could always write back. I'm about two from two at the moment. (laughs) And I just tweeted at 214Ludger and just said, thought you'd enjoy this and linked to the Wikipedia page on agriculture in Germany. (laughs) You know he's going to be playing the next film, Wolfgang, German father. (laughs) Okay, now tell me you still don't buy this love story. It's like three months later and he finally says, I love you. But again, my point is, how do we know it's three months later? I've never watched this movie assuming that that amount of time has gone past. I assume that he's only been in there for a couple of weeks or, you know, a week or so. I've never thought that he's been in there for months. 
Listen, I'll hit you with a yo-yo in the balls, and you'll be in the hospital for three months. Now, this guy was mashed brutally. But again, he's James Bond. Even if it was three months, how the hell is he at capability of boning Eva Green with mashed balls? Because he's James Bond? (laughs) And listen, he just said, I love you for the first time after three months. You and Noah said it earlier than that. To each other? What? (laughs) Yes. How did you know about that? (laughs) <laughs> I'm actually looking here at the film critics of Joseph Milson uh, He was actually in 24, Live Another Day He played Derek Yates, of course he did uh, <laughs> I don't remember that role he was in- I hereby tender my resignation with immediate effect wait, wait, so wait, where's, the sta- where's the stationary order it. one? I love that, we missed it, the stationary order <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> His emails if, if anybody wants to see that moment we talked about in the episode, it's coming up. I do love the fact that you and I both picked up on that. Like, it was yeah. like... <laughs> I just want to read that email. Dear stationary department, I would like a pen. I'm out of staples again. You're sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Need some new post-it notes. <laughs> but seriously, like, do you see James Bond as the type of... I kindly consider you to regard my request to <laughs> withdraw my employment from the agency. Like, Bond would be like, out of here, Am, see ya. Dear MI6, I have gratefully loved my time working at the organization. However, I cannot continue my duty as it is currently stated. <laughs> Please... Re- as my balls have been crushed. <laughs> Please give me a reference. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you had to apply, like, what does James Bond's resume say when he applied to MI6? Well, well, Sturdy balls? Commander in the Navy? Well, I guess that would be it. Parents died? <laughs> yeah. But wasn't he recruited for that aspect because he's an orphan? Don't we learn that from Trevelyan? Um, Orphans make the best agents, or whatever it was. Doesn't he go on yeah. about that? Was that? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it's Trevally. We got to do a commentary of Goldeneye next. <laughs> oh look, I'll, she stopped wearing that spectacular necklace of hers. I'll, I'll rig the random draw next so it comes up as like number. What is it? What that be? Number seventeen. <laughs> uh, Eighteen, nineteen. Yes, you are right about that. Your your math checks out. Hey, it's finally catching up on me. Better than Bond. I think, like, wouldn't it be funny if, like, it, it did end right about now, she's not evil, and then Quantum of Solace is just a romantic comedy of Bond and Eva Green. <laughs> <laughs> On vacation in Venice. It's like, it's like, Sailing. Um, it's what happens in Vegas, like Ashton Kutcher and Brittany Murphy. <laughs> oh, no, that wasn't, that, I want that's, Bond. Um, that's the wrong one, hang on. No. What happens oh, in Vegas Cameron is Cameron Diaz. What was the Brittany Murphy and Ashton just Kutcher married. one? Just Married, that's just the one married. I'm thinking of. What a great movie that was. So we've no gone from Fran Drescher to Ashton Kutcher <laughs> in this episode. Well, there we go. There's Brittany Murphy. Was she around in the 90s? I know she's not around anymore, but like... She yeah. Denise, Denise Richards? Still better than Denise Richards. Cameron Diaz? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to find that third actor by the end of these commentaries. Yeah. We thought we'd do it by the end of uh, World's Not Enough. We're going to do it by the end of the 23 films, 24 <laughs> films. Like... Now, does she leave her phone deliberately, do you think, to get caught? Well, yeah, because there's the message that she left on it, too. It said, for James, right? True. 
Ooh. I have a lovely man from the treasury here. <laughs> Emma's like putting the moves on this dude. Too bad if he's in the background just like doing his clothes back, putting his clothes back on. <laughs> I have a lovely man from the <laughs> treasury here. And she's whispering the phone, I only can hold him off for another hour. I'm 67 <laughs> years old. The Viagra. Mendel, n- not Mendelssohn, Mendel. Ah, oh, Mendel, what a man, what a legend. Yeah. This guy, honestly, is, I know we joke about it, but he is one of my favorite characters yeah, in the movie. The I same like way, too. um, uh, uh, who's the, the CIA, uh, <laughs> the CIA guy in Quantum that I was the only one that liked? Sorry, I just reminded me when we said CIA gay that time. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Felix's boss in the next movie, I was the only one like Oh, yeah, 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 that guy, yep. Now, this is, again, another thing they stuck with classic Bond with, the fact that every movie ends with the destruction of some elaborate set. So was this... And we don't really get that in um, Skyfall. Well, I guess we get an entire house exploding, you can kind of consider that. Was this scene not in the book? Did you say that before? Yeah, well, the book, basically, they go from the hospital to, you know, being on vacation with each other and Bond waking up one day to find that she wrote a suicide note and just killed herself. Oh, because she didn't so want to play James all Bond of again. this... Yeah. <laughs> I would rather kill myself than appear in Quantum of Solace. <laughs> well, that, that's a fair statement. Like, that's... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I was... I still am critical of the Daniel Craig era climaxes. I mean, again, this... Yeah, this would be the best, I'd have to say, because what are the rest in a hotel, a house, and London? Well, I love Skyfall's climax. Oh, so I, I do think that... The, like it's it's different. It's it doesn't alone. feel as much like Yeah. <laughs> Anyone should yeah, the honest tra- quantum- the honest trailer for uh Skyfall when they actually do the scene and play the Home Alone music over it's quite the funny. Home Alone music, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because everybody who saw that movie, I'm sure you thought the same thing on opening night. I'm like, Am I watching Home Alone right now? <laughs> <laughs> they even have the music like it's not the music, but it's music playing like the battle plan. I wanna see him roll out battle plan. <laughs> I just want to see, like, Bond turn around and put, like, the thumb on his nose and do the wavy little hands and be like, nee, 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 nee. <laughs> Instead, we just get him shooting a guy through the eye with a staple gun. Mm. And what is with this guy? Did we not go over this, like, wearing the one, like, glass with no glass in one side? It's almost like a monocle or whatever it is. Well, like, I like that. I wish we'd seen a little bit more of this guy. Yeah, the evil trait. We've got a guy in this movie who bleeds blood and a guy who wears a tinted lens on one side and a clear <laughs> lens on the other. Ooh, evil. <laughs> well, what did we have in uh, Die Another Day? Gustav Graves? He was an Asian guy who turned into a white guy. That's pretty evil. <laughs> and you find the love story implausible in this. Different era of James Bond, Colin. <laughs> Oh, yeah, a whole four years separated. <laughs> it was post-9-11, Colin. They are both post-9-11, Ben. <laughs> I still like, again, I, I often overthink these movies. Like, they're just literally having machine gun shootout. Where, why are there not people in these houses calling the cops, panicking? Yeah. <laughs> like, where are the news crews that get called to this? You know, like, an entire Where's house the Miami is sinking. Miami rowing up on a boat? <laughs> yeah. 
You know, I, when I worked at the newspaper, I wished maybe I lived in a James Bond world where, like, seriously, big things happen, but the news don't give a shit. <laughs> are there any movies that are accurate to the, the newspaper world? Uh, that one that won the best picture in the Oscars this year, probably seen. Spotlight? Yeah. Well, because it was a true story, I guess, right? I mean, when it comes down to it, I don't really think people are clambering to write new movies about the inner workings of a newspaper, <laughs> unless there's a big scandal they're breaking, well, a la um, Spotlight. Speaking of great Australian actors, um, who apparently Australians don't care for, uh, one of my favourite uh, Russell Crowe movies, State of Play, is a great movie involving a newspaper. Well, in all fairness to Russell Crowe, he actually isn't Australian. Um, we claimed him as Australian, and he lives here <laughs> now, but he's actually a New Zealander, so... Ah, so that's why you don't like him. <laughs> oh, I like Russell Crowe. I have nothing against Russell Crowe. I, 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 I've always assumed I was one of the few Russell Crowe fans out there, because not many people in Australia... I think he's, he's calmed down a lot in the last few years. Like He used to be sort of the butt of all jokes, and we were kind of ashamed of him, but... That's Mel Gibson now. Um, but like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, Russell Crowe's more Australian than Mel Gibson. I mean, Mel Gibson was born in America, but he grew up here and, like, went to school here. And I remember growing up, Mel Gibson was the quintessential Australian actor that everyone was like, oh, Mel Gibson, we're so proud that he's Australian. And now well, it's like, Mel Gibson, I who? Find it, <laughs> I still find it funny that the first Mad Max movie, it's probably not on the Australian copies, but here in North America, they have a dubbed version <laughs> where they'll dub, even though they're speaking English, there's a dubbed version so that you don't have to listen to the accents in the first Mad Max movie. Oh, Mad Max movies, yeah. I, I've, I've, like, again, you're going to laugh at me. I've never seen any of the Mad Max movies, but, um, I mean, obviously, oh. the latest one with all the awards that it won, I mean, that was, you know, oh, it's an Australian film, which, I mean, I guess technically it is. Sort of. Just filmed in what, like Africa, starring a Brit. <laughs> well, I think the director was an American. still Australian. Was it the same director who did the original three? Was it not? Yeah, same guy who did all of them. Anyway, back to Bond. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, Monocle. <laughs> this is a pretty brutal climax, too. Like you don't notice it because it goes by so quick, but the death scenes are fairly violent. You know, I think we, I think I got outvoted on this one. I thought an extra person died in this when, well, this is what we should really be doing when we're doing these commentaries, <laughs> is actually counting them. Well, that's what the listeners are waiting for. I can't wait till they get the Casino Royale commentary so we could <laughs> clarify how many people die. <laughs> can't wait till we get to Honor Majesty's Secret Service with the two men dying in the opening scene again, uh, Noah, and the boat and the... <laughs> Look at this. We have had a nail gun through the eye. We had a man electrocuted by a live cable. We had a guy crushed by a falling elevator. Pretty standard. Bond just rips a nail out of himself. Oh, that's amazing. Slow motion shot there of the uh, the elevator falling down a little bit there. I don't even. I don't. Th I didn't clarify earlier, but I don't like the Bond movies. Have always been free of two things that are too common in action movies, which is flashbacks and slow motion. <laughs> And for that reason, it always bothered me, even in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, where we see the reflection in the window showing the flashbacks with Tracy, because it's just not something you see in any other Bond movies. So that's why that slow motion moment early on actually was very upsetting for me. I'm, I'm still trying to get over it. Spectre must really piss you off then in the opening sequence when they have the flashbacks to all the Daniel Craig movies. Well, the opening credits, I mean, I, I can forgive 
uh, Goldfinger had some of that. Yeah, Flash Golds. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't really even care for those having it in it. I just don't. I don't like the idea of flashbacks in a Bond movie. This is pretty uh, a pretty sad scene. The way she dies, and I, th- I always think she's going to suck his fingers at that point. Yeah. <laughs> just the way she dies, it's pretty like you know. It's a very good scene. Like I- I'm not joking. I would. I'm not the type of guy who really loves love stories. I'm not opposed to love stories. I'm not one of those guys. It's like, oh, this has a love story in it. That's no good. I, I was annoyed growing up in, the, especially speaking of classic action movies, that every action movie had a love story and it was always tacked on. But this is probably one of the most convincing love stories I've ever seen in an action movie, which is why I consider you to be such an idiot right now. Oh, I don't know about that. I could think of a few other action movies with better love stories. If you say Con Air, I'm going to come over there, Australia, and slap you. Never seen Con Air, so I couldn't tell. You. Oh, there's another one we got to put on the list. I'm thinking of Volcano, Tommy Lee Jones, and Anne Hache. That was pretty believable. <laughs> I love that movie. There's another guilty pleasure of mine. Okay, are you are you are you a, are you a Volcano a or Dante's Peak Man? What's better in your eyes? Um, I, sadly, I would go with Volcano. No, this is this is, this no. is guilty pleasure confession here. I saw Volcano five times oh, when it was in the You were the one that got the box office up slightly. <laughs> now, granted, um, I think four of those times was at a discount theater where it cost a dollar and 75 cents to get on in an afternoon on during the summer. But still, I saw it five times. I do like Volcano. I'm not trying to say I don't like it. But if I like Dante's Pete every day of the week, well, that rhymes. Uh, I mean, it's got Brosnan <laughs> in it for starters. You know, Linda Hamilton, it's it's James Bond macking it on with Sarah Connor. Like, you can't go wrong there. And Look, come on. You've got, you know, who's Tommy Jones famous for playing Two-Face macking it on with a quasi-lesbian? Isn't that something else? She was lesbian in the 90s, wasn't she? That's when she was with Ellen. Yeah, except I don't think they really do anything in the movie. It's just kind of creepy. The thing, the thing with Anne Hayes, again, we, we, this is the Fran Drescher of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> What was it? What was it? Was it six days, seven nights? One with Harrison Ford. She's just yeah, gonna finish her old men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that movie. That's a good movie. That's another one of my guilty pleasures. I don't mind that one. Actually, that was the very first movie I ever saw. Like one of the actors from Friends out of Friends because that's got uh, David Schwimmer. Oh no, uh, David Sh- Matt LeBlanc, yeah. uh, Lost in Space. No, no, it was David Schwimmer. Yeah. No, I'm just. Thinking oh, Matt. Of- you want to talk about ultimate guilty pleasures? Lost in Space is my all-time favorite guilty pleasure. I, I will watch that movie still. I love. Yeah. I do love Lost in Space. I do. That Thank is you. Good movie, and I can even forgive Matt LeBlanc's pretty poor serious acting in most of it. But yeah, <laughs> it's got Gary Oldman in it, so it's a win. Gary Oldman makes anything better. I want Gary Oldman. If I had my vote for my number one, by the way, is anybody else distracted by Daniel Craig's bare feet in the scene that have a bad tan line on it? No, we've got a foot fetish uh, going on, dude, uh, Colin. Uh. <laughs> not to complain about the most random thing, but... But yeah, um, if I had a number one favorite actor that I would be dying to see play a Bond villain, number one on my list without a doubt is Gary Oldman. It's so cliche to have him as a Bond villain, but he would be brilliant as a Bond villain. It's so cliche to have Christoph Waltz and Javier Bardem. That's what makes Bond villains great. Is you can typecast people and they can still do something fun. Bitch's deadline, pretty cruel, but straight from the book, final line of the book. You wouldn't be able to get away with that in 2016. Isn't it kind of weird? Yeah. How this is only ten years ago, 
It doesn't really seem that long ago. <laughs> but we know that in 2016, if you have the line, the bitch is dead in a movie, there would be a huge outcry. Go against Bond. Bond is sexist. And, like, you're only taking 60 years to discover that. Um, <laughs> well, I was mentioning how I was watching Lethal Weapon the other night, and there's quite a few, throughout that entire series, quite a few racial slurs that were considered appropriate With at the Mel time. Gibson Mel Gibson in it? Uses. No. Yeah. <laughs> Those aren't those weren't scripted though. Yeah, it was just Mel Gibson ad libbing. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. There's also another line in there. Something else you can't get away. We're going. Well, now we're at the end of the movie. We're going off on everything else. Um, a scene where they're talking about you know a girl that died in Lethal Weapon and how she might have been with another female prostitute that night. Mel Gibson says, "Okay, I'll go with it for a second. It's disgusting, but I'll go with it." <laughs> and you're like, "You're not going to get away with that nowadays." I've been watching some random movies in the last week. While we're off topic, I've gone on a Brendan Fraser not late 1990s binge and watching George of the Jungle and Dudley Do-Right. Um, how, how is that esteemed in Canadian cinema? Dudley Do-Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that he's got a um, main character in that I movie called Horse in and Canada, it's not Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> um, but- oh, here we go. Iconic final moments of a James Bond movie. Are we going to see Sarah Jessica Parker? <laughs> 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 and I was waiting, you know, as a Bond fan, you're just accustomed to certain things. You can be paying attention to a movie and still know, well, we have to have a Bond James Bond line. And I was very aware at this point that there had not been a Bond James yeah. Bond line. It is, yeah. I mean, it, it ends well with the Bond James Bond and the theme in the background. Do we need to keep just uh, commentary straight into Quantum now that it's about to continue? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also love that he has the most vicious gun imaginable for this final scene, but he's like so well dressed. I think he needs to walk in with a bazooka. James Bond. Oh, well, there you go. That's that's Casino Royale, yep. Now. Now. I talked about how I had some disappointment when I saw this movie. It wasn't really disappointment. I just remember seeing this opening night and, you know, telling, hey, look at that Mendel, Lundgren Pister. <laughs> um, but telling everybody, you know, oh, I saw Casino Royale and everybody would ask, well, how was it? And I remember my, my response was, I'm like, yeah, it was good. It's just different. I'm not yeah. sure if I like it more or less than some of the other Bond movies. I was very up in the air. And it just had me curious to go back. And I think a week or two later, I went back and saw it again and absolutely loved it. So, But it was very distracting to see a Bond movie like this. And it's not like, I know you've talked a lot about missing when Spectre came out. One of the reasons you rank Spectre so high is that you missed a lot of those one-liners or gadgets and things like that but for me it wasn't even that it was just the tone of this movie was so serious and i like that i like the serious bond movies my two favorites are on a majesty's secret service and from russia with love but it just felt so different at the time i wasn't sure how i liked it until i saw it a second time i do like it every time i watch it better like i think i said that now thing before and i mean again i don't dislike casino royale i mean i put it where did I put it? Uh, fifth. So, I mean, that's still pretty high. I put it ahead of Die Another Day, for goodness sakes. Um, but, 
Yeah, I mean, it's still just, again, as I've talked about with Daniel Craig in this era, just, yeah, just things the way they did. And, I mean, you can argue it's, I mean, it's obviously worked. It's the most successful period in James Bond history and everybody wants to bone Daniel Craig and it won Oscars and won Grammys and blah, 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 blah. But, like... I don't know, like, it's, I guess it's just the period we're living in. Like, do you, if Batman Begins hadn't happened, if we weren't in an era of rebooting everything, do you think we would have had this? Probably not. We probably would have had Pierce for another one, and we probably wouldn't know any different. Just like oh, now, I guess we don't know any again. different, because we're ten years into this reboot, four films in, and it's just the norm now. But again, I mean, when this came out, yeah, Batman Begins had done this a year, year and a half earlier, but they were developing the movie before Batman Begins came out, so... At the time they made this, they probably thought, we're the first people who are ever going to do this reboot thing. Um, before this, you, you either made a movie. <laughs> <laughs> this was all a battle between Batman and Bond. That's the ultimate battle of all time, by the way. We, we need Batman versus Bond for an upcoming movie. You know, you know this, but is yeah, all, that... this is all going to go to shit in a few years, though, right? Like, it happened with Moonrake. Oh, fuck, we better do For Your Eyes Only. Just tone it down a little bit. You know, oh, fuck, die another day. Shit, yeah. we better go extend You know, well, in, like, 20 years' time, they're going to be, like, Bond back in space fighting space aliens on Mars. Oh, we've gone too far. Back to rebooting it. <laughs> Well, like, this is this is something like I, I like I like a lot of comics and uh, something that that works in the comic book world is you can this reboot thing. I think it would really come from that is that every 10, 15 years, they're like, well, we've gotten to the point where we've done so many things and now we're kind of pigeonholed where we're stuck. These characters know this. These characters have done this. How many times can you redo it? Let's just start from scratch. It's, it's not that we're remaking it. We're doing a new continuity. And that's really all a reboot is. And, I mean, they've been doing that in comics for years, and I understand the need to do that in a movie where, with Bond, you've gone for 40 years already. The fact that movies are doing that now, where every third Spider-Man movie, or now every second Spider-Man movie is a reboot, that's just what I would call a remake. That's not even a true reboot. But what they did here was something that was unique, and I don't think it's something that needs to be done again. I think that they should take the free eyes only route if they cast a new Bond or even if they don't and just make it a different tone but keep it as the same continuity, the same story. And I guess we shouldn't completely complain like as you were talking about the remakes. It's not like all of a sudden they were like, okay, now we're remaking Doctor No. Now we're remaking from Russell yeah, with Love. Like, exactly. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, I suppose they're older movies but then it would be, oh, we're remaking Die Another Day. Yay! No, let's <laughs> not. Um, and that's why, like, uh, people nowadays hate the idea or even the word reboot because everything is a reboot. But let's be honest, this is what a reboot's supposed to be, whereas this isn't Spider-Man where Uncle Ben dies every time they release a new Spider-Man movie because they're just telling the same story in a different way. What they're doing here is they're going back and they're restarting from the beginning, but they're still telling original stories. And as long as they... I don't mind them doing... like I was... In, I, in a way, I was worried when Spectre came out that it would have just been adapting Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And I never want them to do that. I want them to kind of pay homage to those original movies and have moments in there where it's like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like this. But if they start retelling those stories, then that's, I think, where I start to check out as a fan. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen because then 007 dies. Uh, <laughs> then we have to reboot 007. Um, oh, we just have to do secondary commentaries. Yes. Uh, okay, so are we now... What are we doing now? Are we drawing out the next one? Anything more to say about Casino Royale or Anne Heche or anything like that? 
No, I, I think I'd be up for a commentary on Volcano one of these days, <laughs> uh, just as a fun little side project. When we do our spin-off of just film Oz. Um, I actually, re- I rewatched. Uh, what did I watch the other day? The River Wild. Have you ever seen that one? That's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> that got me excited. I was just thinking. Yeah. No, I was just thinking about that the other day. Uh, well, it's got Kevin Bacon in it, and anything with Kevin Bacon in it is automatically a winning movie. But um, Meryl Streep, Kevin Bacon... Uh, Tim from Jurassic Park. Um, it's it's yeah, a winner. Fantastic movie. It is. It's actually really good. It still holds up after all these years. Anyway, all right. Let's um, shall we draw one out? Let's let's do this. All right. Okay. So again, we've gone to andrew.hedges.name forward slash experiments forward slash random. <laughs> I have uh, gone to enter some numbers. I want one number between one and twenty four, and I'm about to press the button that says get random. So if we get the numbers 1, 19, or 21, we have to redraw. I'm pressing the button now. We have the number 15, which is the Living Daylights. Oh, wow. We've oh, got a dog movie to do about next. This. Oh, are we happy with that? Yes, we are. Uh- <laughs> uh, well, I'll just say I'm happier, that, uh, I'm happier than I would be if it was License to Kill. I actually was dreading... License to Kill coming up. I'm like, if License to Kill comes up, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, it's I'm going to sit out for It's a interesting week. now that four of these in, we've got four different Bond actors. So we've spread yeah. it out a little bit. Next has to be more. Then it has to be, uh, what's his name, Lazenby? How did I forget his name, Ben? Shame on you. <laughs> um, so, all right, there we go. Living Daylights, we're doing that next. Woohoo. Coming soon. Coming soon. Uh, well, I've had fun, Anything you're Colin. excited to talk about in Living Daylights other than Kinsley Dalton smiling on a Ferris wheel? <laughs> The greatest love story in the history of Bond. I'm the chemistry uh, from one shit chemistry movie to the other. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested to watch a movie that I'm not that uh, big of a fan of. I think in some ways I'd be more interested in talking about the Bond movies that I don't consider to be as good than I do with the Casino Royales or uh, Doctor Knows or World's Not Enough. So it'll be interesting to transition into something that uh, I'm going to be a little bit more critical of. But I will say, every time I do watch Living Daylights, I like it a little bit more. It's just, I'm still in a bottom five territory with Living Daylights. Who knows how many years after I saw it for the first time, and who knows how many times I've watched it. So I don't think the commentary is going to win me over, but it'll still be fun. We'll come up with a bunch of new t-shirts to uh, get at the end of the episode that we can put out there for people. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt. Exactly. Like, retweet this Davidoff. (laughs) We've got to work out who's, who's going to be alive from 1987 that we can still, like, who knows how to use Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if Timothy Dalton's on Twitter, you know it's going to be him. I don't think he has to. I mean, he, he's too busy. Well, there's the Fran off. Dresser connection. <laughs> and you know what? Noah is in Germany right now. So if we can get Noah, we'll get him on to live commentate from the Ferris wheel or something. Yes. Yes, we will. Exactly. And fall in love with somebody because that's what clearly you do on Ferris wheels. <laughs> that's why Noah's not here right now he's on a Ferris wheel falling in love that's <laughs> what you do in Germany that's just a general thing he he tried having his genitals brutally <laughs> beaten and it didn't work for him so now he's decided Ferris wheels is ticket yes exactly <laughs> well that was the I was about to say that was the living daylights I'm already anxious to get quick, it over there. far out <laughs> we talked about the Ferris wheel and that's all that needs to be said uh, that's what's coming soon. Ferris wheels, exploding milk jugs, um, security guards with big milk jugs, lots of stuff happening in the living daylight. Lots of jugs. <laughs> lots of jugs in the living daylight. Lots of awkward smiles. Some good stuff. But uh, this has been 
Casino Royale and uh, I'm Colin and I still have an itch down there. Ben, you still haven't scratched it. And I'm Ben and sorry, I... Sorry, sorry. There we go, that worked out better. I should have just gone with that. Edit point, only joking. And for all you Volcano fans out there and all you fans of the worst lines in movie history, look at their faces. They're all the same. (laughs) Good night. The name's Bond, James Bond. You are a funny man, Mr. Bond. Why can't nice guys be more like you? It's going to be bad. You've got a bloody cheek. Sorry. Stop touching your ear. My whole bowling game isn't causing you to spy. A little, but I won't consider myself to be in trouble until I start weeping blood. You seem such a bunch of self-righteous ass-covering freaks. Ow. I'm the money. Every penny of it. You didn't bring any chocolates with you. I'm afraid not. <laughs> I will be keeping my eye on our government's money and off your perfectly formed arms. You noticed. I'm an accountant for imagination. Wow. You've taken good care of you, buddy. You noticed. Don't worry. You're not my type. Smart. Single. I thought M was a randomly assigned letter. I had no idea it stood for. Utter one more syllable and I'll have you killed. I just wanted you to know that if all there was left of you was your smile and your little finger, you'd still be more of a man than anyone I've ever met. That's because you know what I can do with my little finger. Tell her to call security at Miami Airport because I think a bomb is about to go off and you do it now. I can't put you on hold. And what about the winnings? Does it look like we need the money? I'm Mr. Arlington Beach, and you're Miss Stephanie Broadchester here. I am not. You're going to have to trust me on this. I wouldn't go as far as calling you a cold-hearted bastard. No, of course not. Now the whole world's going to know you don't scratch your fucking balls. <laughs> In the old days, if an agent did something that embarrassing, he'd have the good sense to defect. How was your lamb? Skewered. One sympathizes. I'm sorry. That last hand. You killed me. I've got the lich. Out there. Do No! No! To the right! To the right! To the right! Ah! Yes! Ah! Ah! V. E. S. E.